And you wearing a black long sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Virginia. You never know. You never know. What's going on, everybody? This is Duke. You're watching Real Life with Duke White. And we have with us a very special guest, Ms. Brina Daniels. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, well, we, we both know how we do. We it is, yeah. it is steaming hot in here. Uh, please support Current FM and help us. <laughs> Help us get some some new equipment. Good God Almighty, man! No, man, it's hot, you know. Uh, but I, I'm so glad that you are here with us uh, because you you've always been a community inspiration uh, since since school. You've always been leading the way and inspiring people and and being just a light everywhere you go. Uh, and, and now you're melting in the studio. <laughs> but but. I'm excited that you're here because you got some wonderful things that's going on and you wanted to share with the people. And I would love for you to, to use this opportunity to, to talk about that. And then let's talk about some things on how we can get young people more involved in uh, business things and, and just keep people inspired. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so easy. It's so easy to fall into negativity these days. I receive that. And, I receive you know, and, and so it's like, you being such a wonderful inspiration, I love to just share some of that 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 light uh, with the people. So yeah. first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell everybody about you. Hey, listen, <laughs> uh, you know, can can we just keep it real? We should keep it real. Now. Absolutely. I know, listen, I don't know what kind of guests you typically have, but um, <laughs> I might be one for the history book. I I am I'm living right now. I am in the interim. That's what it is. Is that a place in the Bible? The interim. interim. <laughs> you know, I'm, just, I'm like in between. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but currently I'm an educator and um, I work with youth every single day. And um, it's hard in a secular environment when um, I'm a woman of God. You know. Yeah. And you have to you have to sneak it in. Um, I'm also in transition because my son is heading off to college. So um, he is graduating next month. I have another college daughter at home, and she'll be leaving um, next year. You know, so I'm almost an empty nester by right. myself. I'm in transition. You yeah. know, I mean, what's that? What's yeah, that I know that can seem a little weird. Uh, just the idea, because my kids were raised on my hips. So, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I enjoy being a father. Uh, I, I, I don't, you know. I love being a dad. Yeah. And yeah. uh and so seeing them grow up and kinda like, hey dad, you know, we don't we don't really need you like that no more, Dad. Oh, yeah. oh that's rough. That that's rough. But but education uh has been something that's on your heart. And I mean you are an educator and yeah. you know, I, I get I don't like it when I hear all the time uh people just talking down on our young people and this generation and you know, it's like no they they are still creative and remember their products that we created. Exactly. What is what from being on the inside? What is it yeah. that you're seeing more than anything uh, that the young people need from us as exactly. their elders? Well, I think in understanding that they are little adults. They have real thoughts, real perspectives. They are involved in actual relationships relationships when they when people say oh you know nothing about love no they're going through heartache abuse toxicity i also think they need a recognition that they have adult responsibility and it doesn't have always have to do with a paid job these are middle schoolers who are taking care of their younger siblings 
they're responsible for taking them off of the bus, opening the house, keeping them safe, feeding them. And they have to do, do that. Now watch this do while sitting in a seat for seven and a half hours a day. Yeah. That's what bothers me. I couldn't sit through an eight hour sermon. I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> she came out swinging. So, okay, everybody, yeah, yeah, this is getting real, real I, fast. I, can we have this one? <laughs> I wish it was. Yeah, the, I, I like the, the on the, the air. He has the on the, the air. air side. Yeah. See, that would have been a good visual. I know what you're doing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That would have been a nice visual. <laughs> Please support current <laughs> FM and make sure. Don't nothing in here work. <laughs> Don't nothing in here work. Come on, support you. Make sure you go to currentfm.com. Come by here, Lord. <laughs> oh no, we we read your people, but but I gotta I gotta say this. This is a real this is a real thing right now because people I, I've been saying it for years that I said that people make it seem like the young people don't have a voice. When COVID happened, I don't remember seeing one interview about how this was impacting young people. Right. You know what okay. I mean? And I was like, wait a minute. The, the biggest generation it's going to affect was these, these kids that were taken out of school. Sure. And I'm going, how is this possible that we are not responding to this? That, yeah. that we're not even asking Right. when right. it comes down to voting. Right. We don't hear what the young people have to say as if they're not. See, now remember, and the young people are the innovators when, yeah. you know, <laughs> I wasn't always the brightest kid. You know, you were, and I, remember, you were <laughs> I remember, remember asking my dad one time, when did everything become color? Because, <laughs> you know, life, life used to be in black and white, so I assume that's how it was. <laughs> I assume that's like that. When did things become color? I thought that was like the sign of the last days. Everything become, but because, and, they, and, and the young men all look old. They were in their 15, like 16, 17 year old. They were the leaders of the civil rights movement. Yeah, I oh, know. Yeah. They were all young people, but they looked old. I realized that wasn't old, that was maturity. Yes, that ensues. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. But they were disciplined and honorable. That's it. And I realized something happened in the 70s and 80s right. uh, that changed everything. Yeah. And then it was the, 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 in the music industry in the 90s, and it took us off focus on inner development it's it's crazy how persecution and oppression can make you mature mm -hmm. and make you deal with what's real mm -hmm. and make you want the right things True. and then as soon as you get it it's yeah. like who you really are shows up the relaxing because there's a generation that just forgot about how powerful young people were yeah because the keyword is access yeah in the 70s there was not you didn't have digital access and you therefore didn't have as many distractions oh yeah <laughs> you know and so our young people they have everything handed to them on a silver platter you right. know and um and even even to the point where they don't have to walk to the corner store they can door dash grow up <laughs> you <know? laughs> no you but know, you're you're right you you're, you're absolutely right this is where it gets confusing because <laughs> you're just fainting like you're in church it's hot it's hot i'm not <laughs> about the march <laughs> 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 this is good stuff all right so 
but there was a we forgot how powerful the young people were. True. We yeah. we uh, you know turned the schools into the babysitters club. Understood. You know, and, and then now now on the flip side, then we because I, I saw it myself. I saw the parents attacking the teachers as if the teachers were the problems. Yeah. Okay. So can I touch on that just for a quick second? <laughs> okay. So here here's the here's the cycle. Okay. Parents blaming on the teachers. Teachers blaming on the parents. Kids are stuck in the middle, and it's a it's a little bit of both. I think the the real issue is and the reason why I started my school. Something I didn't share. I started school 2016. We closed it as of last year, but. Um, started school um, because we wanted to do school different. And I think that's what needs to happen. We need to reevaluate how we're doing this thing called education. Yeah. For the sake of our young people. I, I agree 100%. I think it, it has to happen. I also think that if it doesn't happen, we're, we're going to lose it. Like, like we've already seen the power of uh, these predators, yeah. the, these psychological predators that if they have access to young minds, they can manipulate them and make them believe anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll do it. Right, right. You know, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll do it because that availability to the mind is there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I look at it in 1951, I think there was 2.886 billion people on the planet, 2.8. Okay. And right now we just hit uh, about 7.5 billion people on the planet and i'm like you're not gonna tell me that we educating <laughs> you're not gonna say tell me that we're educating as fast as people are populating no we're not we're, we're not we're not and it also be and, and the reason why that concerns me is because with education you find care yeah. And what I found is that relationship between teacher and student, student and teacher, there's this care. Like, I'll walk up to teachers that don't even remember me, and I'm like, you impacted my life, and they have no idea. Like, I kind of remember you. You were a little loud boy, <laughs> a little crazy loud boy. Yeah, that was me. Or Casanova. <laughs> Let's keep it real. Okay. But the issue, the issue for me, the issue for me more than anything is the the lack of care. Here's my thing. I'm going to see if I can say it. When people are not cared for, right. they become careless. Mm-hmm. I can that. And when people become careless, they care less. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. that, that this is, when you're not careful, mm-hmm. people care less, and then they become careless. And yeah. usually we do that with each other. Yeah, let me, let me just interject really quick. I found, um, because I was a principal for so long, and this year being back in the classroom, I think I know what it is. And it's, as a teacher, you are required, right now I have 82 students, I'm required to have 82 different relationships with both female and men, and males. At the same time, though, I have to take all toxicity and positivity, but there's a lot of toxicity. And with that caring, there's a key word called empathy. Yeah. We're not teaching kids to have empathy. Right. So when you do wrong, do you go back and apologize? Do you mean it? After there's a consequence, you come back. I think it drains teachers. And that's when you have teachers who look like they don't care. Yeah. They're just overwhelmed. I absolutely agree. I absolutely yeah. agree uh, because, of course, being in the military, I saw the same thing because yeah. the military has to turn 
people who are have a civilian mindset it's all about them they have no concept of us no concept of develop so you have to we call it purified by fire oh. you have to purify by fire to turn them into soldiers and we don't have that <laughs> yeah. there's no boot camp there's, there's no yeah we, no gotta, we gotta take them all yeah yeah now now the 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 I never wanted to be this guy. I never okay, wanted to be this guy that, that said the entertainment industry. What is the impact that you're seeing on the entertainment industry with the young people? Come on, come on now. Okay, so here, let, let's talk about it. Without me saying any rappers' names here or females' names, here's the thing. Everybody wants to be someone. And the kids emulate what they listen to and what they see. So, for instance, today I saw my first pair of $1,000 sneakers. I'm not talking Yeezys. I'm talking Versace sneakers to a young man that I had to give pencils to all last week. Let's talk about the balance. Now, I'm going to hold you down. You can ask me for a pencil every single day of the year. I'm going I'm to tell you every day it's your responsibility, but I'm not going to let you fall behind. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. We don't live in that socioeconomic type of neighborhood, dude. So $1,000 make it make sense to me. And everybody want to rap. Now, I'm going to drop some bars with them. I play with my kids. Okay? Right. I can't rap. But I, I drop bars with them. But they want to be rappers. They have YouTubes. Everybody has a platform. That's the impact that the focus is. I can get rich now. Why do I need school? You, you know, we've actually seen this before. It's in the scriptures. It's actually in the Bible. I, okay, so I, I discovered that the character that... The, the 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 rappers play these hip hop artists. The rappers play actually is in the Bible. He's the rich young ruler. Okay, okay. Because in that day, only the men men were considered the first class citizen, and then above men were the rich people. Right. So you right. could be rich rich woman, rich man, rich child, but you had to be someone of of uh, you know relevance. And then there is under that was the men, right? Mm -hmm. And so this rich young ruler knew that something was missing in him, but because of their culture, it would never get it. They would never right. have it. Right. So he settled for wealth, being the rich young ruler. That way he's treated properly. So at the same time that he's doing what he does, this guy, this kid, sees Jesus mm -hmm. holding children, which is something he's never seen before. And he hears him rebuking his own disciples, telling them, that if they don't inherit the kingdom of God like little children, they will never enter into the kingdom of God. And and I think it's always what what's always shocking is when you watch these young people find out that somebody really cares about them, the way they flock to them is amazing. The way they will become family and believe uh, there's there's kids who've been written off their whole life and all it takes is one person to believe in them and it changes everything you know and when i look at like what you said about the platforms one of the issues is a lot of these kids are getting platforms before they're getting mature so right before that while they're developing that attitude that mindset that no one cares or they're developing that mindset that you know they're they're now able to project their voice before they found a true identity yeah. and that that in itself can can you know keep the what do you call it, the 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 
that negative imagery going, especially when you get paid for it. Oh, yeah. And then also I feel like it makes them in their minds think that they are older and on the same level with adults before right. their time. Yeah. So there's a respect thing there that comes into play because I have a platform, I have a voice on social media. Do I really need to listen to adults? Yeah, I, I actually had to tell me like, hey, man, I got I got four. I got four million viewers, man. What do you got? I was like, man, I got, I got five fingers in the turn to a fist. Bless you right upside your head. <laughs> Bless you right upside your head. <laughs> no, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> but I didn't say that. Though. I didn't say that. I'm like, I, 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 I wanted it to be a joke. It's like, dude, but you said it. <laughs> like, I said, I got five fingers and turn into a fist. Bless you right upside your head. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, but, <laughs> I guess I say crazy stuff because I mean it, and it's like, oh man, yeah. you know. But but and the reason why is because this. Okay, so we got kids that that I'm glad they believe in themselves, but they believe in themselves because they got millions of followers, yeah. You know, and then because they got money, not because you know they they're they're, they're really embracing reality, mm-hmm. you know, and growth and process. Mm-hmm. We have so much convenience today that. It's making us bypass process. Yeah. You know. Well, oh, okay, I'm listening. You were going somewhere. No, 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 okay. I want you to go because yeah, pro- so, process so, is a big word. Well, process also requires some time. And kids want to go from zero, local, <laughs> to being on syndicated television like like these entertainers. And here's the, the issue with that. That means that they are landing in, and actually functioning in this realm of self-made instead of god made yeah and they don't understand that these people are some don't some serve the lord for one that's why i rely on this one verse god did my kids (laughs) keep rapping that and you know what that's the only legal thing i could god did you're right (laughs) Right, right. they can't get me because i'll say hey hey i'm I'm rapping i'm rapping like they are you know but but they have to realize that you know um there's a higher power and a lot of kids don't think they need well, anyone else so how can they hear without a preacher and, mm. and, and you know and it's like do you think we're being aggressive enough as the body of christ with evangelism and embracing the arts yeah well one of the things when it comes to creativity i, I feel like it's been stripped from the schools because of standardized testing and the essence of creativity is yeah. is, is god <laughs> he yeah. is the creator so when you take out creativity outside of an art class it's an elective if they choose to take it, or um, perhaps in English or somewhere that, where they get to express themselves, a lot of that has been stripped out of schools because of lack of time, of, of strict um, state testing. And when you take away creativity, you take away the essence of who the Holy Spirit and how he functions. It's funny <laughs> you, you know? say that because I, I study the scriptures from a Hebrew perspective. Understood. And, you know, that is the original writing. So all I do is just take the English words, turn them into Hebrew, and then I, you know, uh, and I go, okay, so that's what he really meant. And then you find out, oh, this, like, like, um, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That doesn't mean sit and wait on God. That scripture is still true, but it means that's the be still. That's that scripture. This scripture is they that serve. That's where we get the word waiter from, you know, like the, the concept of serve. So they that serve the Lord shall renew their strength. Then I thought to myself, like, wow, how many people didn't know while they were waiting on the Lord because of that misinterpretation? They they were really missing opportunities. God was really saying, 
get to work, I'll renew your strength. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, because faith without works. Works is <laughs> verb, action yeah. verb. Yeah. It's good, you know. So and, I, no, I, good. Well, I think a big part of, of what you are relying on comes from proper um proper churching, proper teaching. And and I know so many people say, Oh, well, you aren't fleeing from church. I would venture to say there is a sector of our youth who are unchurched. And I think it's a large sector. Yeah. And I think they're getting hand-me-down um, scripture, just like we're getting hand-me-down news. Oh, absolutely. You know? And they don't search it for themselves. And when you teach a kid to own it, that's the key thing. Do you want it for yourself? Whether it's basic academic education or yeah. whether it's education and, and wisdom in the Lord. If you can teach them to yearn for see anybody will build a boat. You know what's crazy is, is that I, and this is what I was doing. Was that, that's exactly what you just said. I, I realized that the true language of God yeah. is not Hebrew or Greek. It's creativity. God speaks to the heart. And if you look at what he did with Noah in this crazy, corrupt time, he spoke to Noah's heart. And when he spoke to Noah's heart, he was able to preserve man in one man's obedience you know but you know he was able to preserve man and the reason why i think that's so important is that look how he did it through creativity through creation through and like you said these kids are sitting in a classroom for eight hours you know what i mean but then and then we expect them to do it again for church and 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 it just when you said that it hit me like a ton of bricks like when america first started you know even though things were a little different for us. <laughs> right. However, the church and the school were the same place. Uh -huh. We haven't changed. It's archaic. It's an archaic system. Yeah. Right. So so how do we impact our young people? Well, first of all, how do we get our young people to trust the church again? Well, we have to tell them that we trust them. Every interview I go on, I don't care if it's a panel of big wigs or not, I tell them I trust kids. And I always get pushback, like, oh, no. But it, let, a, let a child, and a child shall lead. Is that not the word? Look at how old Mary was. Look at the disciples. These are young people. Look at the, the marches, yeah, the yeah. civil rights movement. These are, the way we get kids involved, we got to give them purpose. And the way you get someone purpose is you let them lead. That's exactly why my kids run the business. And I see it. I it's, see so all, it's so I see weird. Messing. It's like when you just said that my heart warmed up because I'm like, all right, so I wasn't completely insane. This is because because people it's the pushback. People will talk to you like, man, you got your kids doing this, your kids doing this. Like, no, I know that God showed me that they could do it. Now, do you believe this is an American thing or because or a generational thing? Because I've seen kids in other countries running farms and the whole thing. Oh, yeah, it, it has to. It's, it's an American thing. And I think some of it has to do with the age of the parents. We have we have a whole slew. Now, this is not statistical. This okay. is only from what I have observed. And what I have observed is that we are about three generations in of younger parents who were not trusted, and yet they are popping out kids who we therefore do not trust. And a lot of it is to preserve spots for the older generation. Look at who's working in McDonald's nowadays. 
I say that all the time. It's, it's the elderly. You know, it's a, and I'm not saying there are no youth, but there's more and more elderly in these youth positions, you know, and... No, we have to, we have to address this yeah, because no. the the reality is, like when I saw this taking place, I knew that something was off. Mm-hmm. When I saw this taking place, I knew something was off, and I said to myself, "Wait a minute, they should be read. They should be rested. They should be cared for. They should be leading the way, sharing wisdom in, you know, in the church. They should be, you know, uh, investing in the younger people." Mm-hmm. And then I see them occupying the space of the younger people. This lets me know that 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 somewhere down the line, preparation, even what we consider elderly, isn't necessarily elderly anymore. True. The, the economic preparation. The, oh, we we did give them proper financial education, and this leads me to my next question: When you look at this already, that we see older people working longer, they can't retire, uh, and, and they will. I've seen it myself. They will allow people to be homeless. This country has over 500,000, 536,000 homeless people across the country. All right. Uh, And so this country does not have a problem letting the elderly become homeless. Why is it financial education being taught in some schools, but are taught in other schools, such as private schools and things like that. Financial education is taught in private schools, but not in public schools. Well, it's a requirement now. In order to graduate, you have to take personal finance. Oh, wow. Now, in the state, and and I believe it's um, nationwide now. I think there were two states that were holding out, but currently um, in the state of Virginia, every single high school student has to have taken a personal finance class in order to graduate. Now, that's something that come up here recently you know and so i'm saying within the last maybe um maybe seven to eight years um that that has come about and the cool thing about that though is that we're teaching it but i think there's another level that needs to be taught Mm -hmm. and i think that level is not just how do you take care of your own finances or just the ins and outs of certain things i would like them to i would like to see more of a dissecting of other people's wealth. How did they get to where they are? Because when you study just the basics in a textbook, it doesn't, it's yeah. not as strong as when saying. you apply it. Yeah, yeah. Or how about instead of giving them a fake baby or an egg and say, hey, take care of this baby, how about I give you $500? You have a week to turn it into 10000 How about that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. They don't want to play with me. They no, ready for me. And no, we, but we got it though. We got to make this happen because that's because if the, what I realize is that with with media, right. no one can stop the voice from being heard. Like right. that's what these kids are figuring out. So it's about having the right media, the right voices yeah. spoken. So okay. you know, when we have voices like yours, you you. We've got to unleash you. You know, we we, we got to because there's so many things that you can address that that people, especially from the young people side, that people just aren't going to see. Exactly. You know, like I mean, when you're on the other side, all you're going to do is talk about how your generation was better. That's right. about it. Right. You know, what I mean, and, and back in my day, right? <laughs> you just end up saying, it. Yeah. You know, my kids, my kids said, it. back in my day, we didn't have steering wheels. You know. It's, <laughs> Crazy. I was like, whoa. Whoa. Well, no, Pitstones have a stand. They put me back in the day. They, you know, but my, my, my thing is this. If we can get the young people 
to appreciate truth and opportunity again. Yeah, understood. Because we see that they're doing it with technology. Mm-hmm. We we clearly see their confidence in technology, but they're neglecting the power of influence yeah. and responsibility. Well, yeah, I think the word responsibility. I think they know influence. Oh, yeah, they're they saying that's how to give the numbers. Yeah. yeah, I think they know influence, Um, especially when I... I just discovered one of my students has monetized her social media. She posts love quotes. Then I discovered I actually follow her. And I said, this is you with the double R's. Like she puts a double R in the every, I said, this is you. She charges a dollar per quote. And you give her a topic that you want her to write a love quote. Look how powerful that is. She made $68 last week. So I told her to double her price. Wow. Shout out to Kamaya. Wow, that, that is genius. Absolutely genius. And, and these kids are, are so innovative and so creative, and we've got to give them a voice. We've, we've got to give them an opportunity to see who what they're capable of doing and see who they are. Uh, we've got to be able to show them that their voice matters. That's one of my biggest issues is when young people feel like their voice doesn't matter. You know, uh, and I, I, you brought up the relationship situation that I want to bring up. Because okay. uh, we haven't done really a good example of reflecting what a relationship is to young people. And a lot of young people are afraid of having relationship. What are you seeing as far as relationship on the other side, as far as the youth? You know, are they, is, is it just a dating thing? Is this marriage even in the conversation? Oh, no. Marriage uh. is not in the conversation. Um, uh, and and even, I think, what we're seeing is they're trying to emulate what they see amongst entertainers who are in a relationship. So Valentine's Day is big. You know, but maintenance with communication, they still don't, they don't have a hold because it's not taught. Who right. teaches you how to communicate? In English class, we're, we're learning how to write. And we may, we may and, and learn how to read and grammar and things, but who teaches you conflict resolution? Who teaches, who in school, really, who teaches, hey, when someone does something to you and it hurts, how do you not retaliate? How do you work through a problem? Yeah. And I think that's, that's the biggest issue. And because and, they're in relationships. These kids are in relationships. As a matter of fact, I had a student who came to me and said she was seeing a female but her auntie told her um, she could she could go to hell if she was dating a female. And she had even had the letter, the initial, carved into, or what is the word? Tattooed. Not tattooed, with the haircut, haircut oh, yeah, into her yeah, hair. Yeah. And she says, but I don't I don't date females anymore. And I said, Well, why did you why did you think it was okay? And she said, Because she loved me. Kids are looking for positive connection. They just have no Guidance. God yeah. knows they have no guidance. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I gotta say, I, I, I thank Current FM for being, well, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. And, you know, uh, I thank Current FM for being brave enough to have a station that, you know, aims at young people. We've been playing Christian rock, Christian rap, you know, trying to, you know, be innovative. But we still have a VCR up here, for God's sake. So we, we've been, it's, it's right here. We've been trying. <laughs> we've been trying to <laughs> the five the displayer and all that. Man, we've been doing this for a long time. So when everything went digital, it's like, okay, how do we 
reach young people now because now they're on their phones. Uh, but I do believe if we are aggressive enough, right? Yeah. If we are aggressive enough and we are consistent, I think that's the key is kids are saying, my pain, I trust my pain because my pain has always been there for me when you weren't. Mm -hmm. If you want me to believe you, yeah. you're gonna have to believe you, you're gonna have to be around past my pain and how my pain makes you feel yeah. you're gonna have to be able to be uncomfortable looking at my pain and then i can trust you oh i get that i had a student who had a panic attack today same student who at least eight times has cussed me out this year alone but who did she run to and what i've realized today she needed a mama right. she needed a mama Right. And so I, I put all of that aside and I gave her mama me. That's what yeah. I did. And I stayed long enough for the to go past the pain. Oh, here's the issue though. Oh, there's consequences. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So you so you you have this panic attack or you stay past the pain and they're looking for someone to trust, but they're also looking for transparency. Kids find it hard to go to an adult who will be honest and say, not just, Hey, I used to do the same thing, but tell me the story. Can you yeah. tell me the story? You embarrassed by your past. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, uh, discipline is, is a big thing that we have to remember. It's not a major gift in church. It's hot. <laughs> uh, discipline is the conversation now. The conversation making is hot. Not good grief. <laughs> we, we, this, is, this is stuff that I think people think is an old conversation. It's like, no, this is the forgotten conversation we never completed. We, you know, we, we got so caught up in the entertainment, so caught up in success, so caught up in all the other stuff right. that we forgot the, to finish the conversation. Sure. And now it's here. Yeah. You know, um, when, when I look at the ability to influence, I'm going, well, where, where are the positive influence? Oh, that's cheesy. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I can see why you say that. Yeah. I said, you're not being real. So it's like, well, then what is, is struggle, is poverty, is that, is that the only thing that's real to you? Yeah. Because wealth, maturity, longevity, health, yeah. prosperity, those things are, you know, yeah. <laughs> those things are, are, are real too. Yeah. And it's like, oh, suffering is just more tangible to you. Yeah. Because you, you, you know, and like you said, when you have discipline, when you have, when you have guidance, right. there are people that won't let you settle for suffering. They're going to push you past the pain, you know, because they understand that faith works, creates your future. Yeah. That's why guidance is so important, because we argue people into their destiny. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what that's what we really do. Yeah, but you know, look, at, look at a child who is going through something. And like this student told me today, um, don't call my mom because she, she got a lot on her plate, too. So mom is going through something. Grandma is going through something. Auntie, daddy's daddy, maybe they're not. Everybody's going through something. Who's going to be there? Yeah. For the other, you know. Yeah. Well, and this is why this is one of the reasons why I, I try to explain to people the importance of the decisions that we make because we can make decisions today that can kill our kids tomorrow. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like, so I can make a decision today that I can survive, but twenty years from now, the impact of that decision affects my kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and this is why. Uh, I tell adults we have to be more mindful of how our how we make decisions and the effect that it has on our children. Let me touch on that really quick because I remember you sh um, when I when you and I talked previously, I shared that um, I was separating from my husband and that my 
semi-grown children, grown children now, said, no, you should have been left. It's not a dig against dad. They love their dad. It's not a dig against me. They love me. It's just that what they saw in front of them, what my, my ex and I tried to do was, you know, no negativity in front of the kids. And then we realized after counseling, no, if we dare to show just a little bit of conflict, let's dare to show great resolution. That was a powerful, that was a powerful move on our part. And I think it helped them. But at the same time, I think some parents hold on for the sake of, oh, this is going to be great. We, we want a family unit so the kids can grow up in a shawl. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, we we I know yeah I, I and I know I know that it seems so here's the thing it's yeah. it's the decision that we make yeah and and how we respond to that that's why yeah. when we hear it's so funny we hear the same words like responsibility and then not think oh it's our ability to respond oh, yeah. that's what it is yeah. so you like you you just nailed it when you said if you're gonna do this you're gonna do something like get a divorce yeah you know then show your kids how to still be respectful yeah. show your kids how to still honor one another show you, you know what i mean it doesn't have to be nuclear warfare yeah. you know and there's never anything good about you know the ex and this and that i mean you know and, and i mean unless it's really true because some people are <laughs> some people <laughs> it's like no you know seriously do not be like your daddy do not be like your mama yeah, like, you know, I'd be like, man, it was crazy. It was crazy. You know, hey, your dad was Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and don't be like Freddy Krueger. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, you get, so it's not like people can't get crazy. Right. My, my point is, like, how we handle things, you know, how we handle things does impact the future. Yeah. Now, I do believe this when it comes to money, that it, it, like, it's the same thing with children. It's like, dad, I respect you. Mom, I respect you. But Jay Z and Beyonce got billions. Y'all got like two hundred thousand, yeah. and they can see the difference. They can hear we can't afford more. And I don't know if that, that if we got to stop letting the negative influence lead the way. Okay, so let let me just I said this the other day to my kid. I've been I, I raised them with two little struggles. Uh -huh. I'm telling you, <laughs> our kids thought we had it. They thought we were Jay-Z and Beyonce, and we broke. <laughs> we gave our kids too much. <laughs> Parents need to start teaching them what a thrift store is. <sighs> I took my daughter into the thrift store. This was a couple months ago, and she thought it was, like, the best. She's like, Mom, what is this? I said, you've never been to the thrift store, Jesus. I, I, I broke you. <laughs> I just introduced, I'm telling you, this is what, no, I'm serious. This is honestly the truth. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. They didn't know the red ring came off bologna. Oh. My daughter even said bologna. She said bologna. I get it. Lord have mercy. Y'all don't know what bologna is. Y'all don't know what bologna is. And we talking about, like, notice the things that we'll do to keep the cell phone on. I, I remember, like, kind of the same yeah. situation when, when I got my first place. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> We was paying for the lights to stay on. We can recall your parents be like, hey, did you know you got to pay for the lights to stay on? Oh, I know. I'm like, know. when Because, you know, when I got, I, I'll never forget how weird it felt when I got my own place. Not because I, I hadn't had my own place before. I mean, not because I, I didn't stay somewhere. I always spent the night at 
when I got my own plane, I'm like, wait a minute, sanitation? <laughs> you, gotta pay, you gotta pay for the cable? You gotta pay for the, Like, what else they want from me? I'm working at a movie store. Oh, I know. Oh, you did. With the movie Tom video. Wow. Yeah. I'm working at a movie yeah. store. You know what I mean? And then, they, you know, and, and I had my little rock band thing going on. I remember those days. But you gotta pay for cable, lights, and, and you know, it's like, so, mama. Well, we get these shoes. You know, <laughs> right. Nah, you ain't home, baby. Yeah, yeah. And and so you are right. Uh, being born with a little too not enough struggle. No, but but I think that that has to do with um, our natural progression towards convenience again. And and I believe this is why we have to we have to be careful with convenience because if we are trading convenience for process. Process is the higher quality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and this time thing you brought up, I was like, yeah, these kids don't have time. Like, like yeah. we, we've got to sit them down and say, hey, like, we're going to grow this garden. Oh, yeah. I like that. You know what I mean? We're, we're going to grow this garden. Matter of fact, um, most amazing thing happened. I planted a tree of peace in front of Oscar Smith with Esther Goldman, the survivor of the oh, Holocaust. Nice. Do you remember that? It was... Uh, well, when did you do that? That was 97. And you planted it there? Yeah, 97. Okay. And, I don't remember that. I, I don't, I don't, and I don't remember that. And somebody sent me a picture of it. Let me uh, see that picture. Let me see if I can show you. So they sent the picture, and it was so powerful. Um, did we all go outside? Yeah, we, we all went outside, and uh, let's see if it, it comes up. And hopefully it comes up. No. There's a bunch of pictures of me being crazy. I I do love social media for that reason. I get to be, the archives, the, <laughs> the memories. The memories, you know. Uh, but she did this. She did this. Um. This she we planted this tree. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not coming up. Okay. Okay. And she we did the tree. I know I might have to put more details in it. Uh, mm-hmm. The tree ended up growing over the school. Is it the one? Where is it located? In the front? Yeah, the very front okay. by the buses. Okay. Uh, okay. And what happened is they forgot what the tree was for, and they started to cut the tree down. Oh no! And right now, you know, I, after, after COVID, I tried to, to get in contact with somebody at Oscar Smith and said, "Hey, you guys just cut the tree a piece down." But mm-hmm. I remember thinking about how, like, how like it grew. 1997 they didn't cut it down till 2016 and i'm going it grew that tall because it was allowed to grow Mm -hmm. and i remember thinking like how much could our future grow how much could our kids grow if we gave them a safe place to grow if we if we taught them like i said we taught them you know um process Mm -hmm. What, what do you teach your kids how do you teach them process when it comes to relationships Well, you know, the biggest thing for me when it comes to my kids is talking to them, like letting them see. I I tell my kids everything. Mm -hmm. I teach my kids why people do what they do, why they are in in the different angles. Mm -hmm. Because I, when I became a father, I wanted to become their teacher. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anyone else like, no, this is my job. 
to be their teacher. So it was like, I'm talking about from the blade of grass and how careful and amazing God was to complete, to create a blade of grass to how dynamic and creative he is to making the clouds and a, a butterfly. Yeah. I'll make sure that they knew that God was included in every aspect of their life. And what that did was open a door mm -hmm. for when conflict showed up, it yeah. was like, God is here too. So when conflict showed up, it's like, well, let's not go too far, guys. Yeah. God is here. We yeah. still have to respect each other as children of God. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And showing how God never gave up on us, mm -hmm. that just painted an easy picture for them yeah. to show how God, like, I'm never going to give up on them. Yeah. You know, but also me being, spending time with them mm -hmm. also uh, let them know that God will never give up on us. And this is one of the things that, that happened is uh, you look here, here, here. We see the kids. I'm always teaching them something. We had an orphanage in Uganda. Okay. You know, and this is the kid. These are the kids, and we show the different people that we take pictures with. The different, you know. Well, they they printed out. Here's the thing. I wanted. To, I I didn't do this. These kids in Uganda. Uh, they printed out all these pictures and stuff trying to get our attention they're the ones that came up with this that's how they got attention and then we adopted the orphanage now, now where'd they get california from yeah that's what i'm saying it's so cool you know yeah, it's so cool there were missionaries there too oh, they were, they were, the same. Like, okay. they were, there were missionaries there there right. were missionaries there but the, not the, that you can't have a color print. I'm just saying, you know. That's, oh no, no, that's that's like a real thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. But that that was a, one of the oh, things nice. that got me was that this was a real thing. Like, like, right. and they they were so beautiful and they were so kind and they were so you know like they're reaching out Can to us, huh? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they were they were really reaching out to us, trying to get you know their information to us. And I thought it was so powerful, but I wanted the kids to see what they could do. Got it, got it. The impact they could make. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then when I look at the these the the men, it was like uh, this particular conference, uh, the men wanted to know how to be better mentors yeah. to young men. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And, and I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. You know, I'm proud of you. But the, here's the thing is that everyone's asking the questions, yeah. but it's like, what are we doing about it? And I think that you are the key to that because you have the answer on the other side. Well, I think, uh, I think one of the cool things that you can do is just keep the conversation going so that people are challenged to do something because, and then there's an accountability of, well, what did you do? You know, and I think perhaps I think perhaps the cloning yourself, like I have a friend who uses that term all the time, cloning and I have to dodge it, I just use it, you know, but look at all the awesome things you did with the orphanage too, and then, but, and then you're raising your kids to do yeah, that, cool. what, oh, I but get what, about, it. Yeah, your, I like what it. about your friends, right. what about your brothers, your uncles, your cousins, you know, like, to get people on board, sometimes they have to be close enough to you. Because when they look at this far away or afar or on social media, they're like, oh, that's his thing. That's his calling. Uh, no, that's his yeah. gifting. I'm not like that. I'm not that social. I, some people, I don't like people like that, you know? 
But then to to help a person find their own their own niche niche, you know, in God's kingdom, I think that's what's most paramount, you know. Yeah. No, and we but that goes back to the creek. Here it is right here. Let so me see what the, this, 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 like. this is the tree. This, this, that's a way well, different guy. Blow it up. <laughs> that's a, I'm blown up here right in front of you. I'm blown up right in front of you. That's a way different dude. That dude gets 200 pounds. She said, blow it up. You're looking at him. So this is when I got to meet the, uh, we got to sit down with the Grand oh. Dragon of the KKK. And oh, is that him? Yeah, that's him. In the blue tie? No, that, that's him right there, Thomas Robb. That's him. He, that's his son. He's a lawyer. And they're um, current KKK or they're past KKK? They're current KKK. Do the KKK go to heaven? <laughs> <laughs> so, so check this out. You're so, not willing. You changed the subject. No, no. I, I sat down with him. We had this conversation. I thought it was going to be like an intense racial conversation. Yeah. There's the, 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 their concern is that they, first they believe that uh, Noah and his family were the only, uh, well, as the Bible says, the only humans on the boat. Good, they were black. Yeah. They were saying, no, they said they, they believe they were white. Oh, okay. was, the other family was white. And then they believe that all the other races were the animals. Oh, so and so I have to sit there, and my son is going, "Dad, please don't go crazy." Like I'm like, "Okay, so you you actually got some some issues. Like you have some there's some <laughs> other problems up there." And I had to explain to him, "Like, do you understand that Eden is in Africa?" And he's like, "Oh, you believe scientists?" And I'm like, "No, the word. <laughs> what are you talking?" About? And you start realizing it's just biblical inaccuracy. But here's what I've also learned. That the original KKK, which they formed to stop the British from attacking their families, they would put on the mask because the soldiers would come over and they'd be like, send out your wives and daughters and stuff like that. And so if the, if the British came to my house, the other neighbors, the other male neighbors would put on the mask, the sheets to fight off the British. Well, when the cotton gin and all that stuff, when slavery started kind of dwindling down, the South put the mask back on, saying to the North, you're like the new British now. You're oppressing us the way Britain, Great Britain oppressed us. And so that's when they started using the, the whole mask concept. What's hilarious about this guy, what's hilarious about this guy is he sits there, and we got it filmed. We filmed it. And the guy said, this is, listen, you know, the, the white man is falling off the face of the planet with all this race mixing. We're the only ones, he says, we're the only ones. We can't have children and they come out. We can't be with a black woman and the child comes out white. He's like, we are the only ones that, you know, and I'm like, hey, don't you think, you, don't you understand that the, the heart of God is unity? Don't you think the heart of God, like, don't make it about that, you know? What's pure is not necessarily the like you can't look at blood like that. You have to look at righteousness is pure, love is pure. These are principalities that constructed the entire universe. You know, love, care, those things are power. Don't make it about skin color. And he sat there, and they have this uh, this billboard 
that says, you know, with the KKK, like proud was like white and proud KKK thing. And his son contacts me and says that they're considered taking it down after our conversation. What do you think? I don't know yet. I that was that was oh. like two years ago. Well, it's been two years. Okay, okay, okay. You gotta take that yeah, time down. Take it down. You know. I mean? Now, how is that? How is the racial issue going in schools? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Okay. So here's the thing. Here, 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 here's the thing. Right now, I teach in a in a predominantly African American school. And I feel like in order for our Caucasian students, even our Latino students, I, I teach um, a whole bill of Latino students. I have an interpreter in there and everything. Um, I think they have to try to fit in. So they fit in with their vernacular, um, their colloquialisms, their dressing. <sighs> and I feel bad sometimes because I know um, our our people, we take up space. So we come in the room, you go, no. <laughs> And I feel bad for some of my little Caucasian students sometimes. They just want to be quiet. Okay, can y'all be quiet? And uh, then and then I have a friend who calls me. I you know, I got a, a white brain aside and a black brain aside. And and he'll say sometimes he'll be like, you know, oh black brain are coming out. Yeah. But I had to sound like they mama. Right. They don't respect the little quiet, you know. So I, I have to sound and I know sometimes my Caucasian students, I know they're just like, can you just send them out the room? But I gotta love them all lover. Right, right. It's unity, right? You know, and that's what I'm saying. When it comes to race, I, I, I believe just in my little population, I don't know all stats, but our people, we can take up space and they know when they run the show. Now, here's the opposite. I've been in other predominantly Caucasian white schools where I feel like we're not taught who we are. Mm-hmm. And so we learn to shrink ourselves to, to fit in. And I think on both sides, it's a, you know, when in Rome, you do like the Romans. And I don't know if I like that. You know, know. so so it's difficult when you look at it from an American perspective, okay. because what was done to the black community, both was involved, the African culture and the American, the, the, the European culture, because humanity was so off. See, when you when you when you put God into it, and you see how man rebelled against God, everything becomes clear because like, okay, now we, we honestly don't know who we are. But it's like, well, then what role does God play into it? Well, that's how we can find out who we truly are, who we truly are, walking in eternity. We're eternal spirits. We're sons and daughters of God. Let's start from there and move on. Yeah. But when you start, so because there's so many, put it this way, the confusion was so devastating. We don't know if we were sold by the Africans, kidnapped by the Africans, or kidnapped by the Europeans. If we were already here, I hear, I hear people so profoundly speak of where we come from and why we don't know who we are and all of that, profoundly, and all of it. And they'll all argue with each other, but they all speak profoundly. And I'm like, hey, but either way, who we were was going to have to die, reborn, be reborn. And, and come into the knowledge of who Christ is. And we were going to have to take on the character of Christ. I'm glad I got over here. <laughs> Look, put my people on the boat. Now, listen, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be president. Don't you pull up this footage. I'm saying that because I actually necessary... was just thinking this is the next president. I was thinking this is the next president. And pull then you Michelle. just said that. Pull up, Michelle. I'm a, I'm a fan of Michelle Obama. Yo, yo. I respect her husband. But if she ever... If Obama ever get free, <laughs> yeah. my number is five 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 five. 
I'm sorry. Go I would know. I'm just saying. I can't believe you just said that. Okay. When I was like, "Yo, I'm yeah, looking at the next president," because you do you do have the ability to see all sides, and that's what's really important uh, to be able to see all sides. Have have that empathy that you talked about, yeah. Yeah. but without denying who God is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now I know that you talked about when you brought up the relationship issue with the kids. You know, uh, you you have to tell me when you got to go too because I just go. Like this is Dude, I can talk. This is this is what you do when you yeah, single. I ain't this, cooking. This is what I ain't cooking for that's nobody. what I'm saying. See? So here's the situation, right? Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> we talk about the, the dating thing with with these young people yeah, yeah. and then it turns into them eventually becoming parenting and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they've dealt with some heavy duty situations like abortion and all this other stuff. Uh where, where, what platform are they being informed on? Is it coming through the school, or are they getting all their information from social media? And I guess at this point, social media, because we know the secular media is not talking about it. Or mama, grandma, auntie, daddy. You know, they're seeing relationships played out in front of them as well. You know, and and it's something when I have adolescents who are still teaching me. I'm like, oh, I didn't know what that. Oh, that's a thing. I'm learning from them. I, I guess I'm still green at 42 years old. You know, they are seeing mom get dressed up, go out. They are emulating how mom dresses. They they also hear dad running females. So when I asked my, I took a survey in class today. I just talked about it today. I said, how many of you think you're going to be a good husband? They believe in running women. So multiplicity, they're, they're falling back into... The, the Sir David and Solomon times, you know, when wow. when we have a harem of women for one man. There is a greed in relationships. And now females are like, if you Wait, can't so, beat them, join them. So uh, now females are like, hey, you can have more than one female, I can have more than one man. That's what you know, you know what's funny about that? Join. I, I oh, know where that came from, like, actually. Sorry about your I know that actually yeah, came from. Like, oh. <laughs> Stop playing. <laughs> I, I know where that came from. So a lot, a lot of that stuff comes in from the, when people are looking for the original scriptures, like the original Hebrew. And you know, in the, in the Hebrew culture, you can have more than one wife. There's the ancient Egyptian culture. There's Roman culture. You know where you could have. So overseas, it's not not it's not uncommon to see someone with more than one wife, someone that has more than one mate. So as that mindset starts to infiltrate over here, especially since we have access mm-hmm. to India now, we have access to, you know, these different cultures and, they, and people and the young people are going, wait a minute, this is how they do it over here. Maybe this is why it's not working here. Um, yeah. Well, here's the thing. The word is choice. Yeah. We've given young people, and people in general, it's not just young people, it's, it's people our age. I know that actually. Sorry about that. It's okay. Well, it's okay. I do not want to hear yeah. that stuff. Oh, goodness. But I believe it's the, the power of choice. And yeah. I believe young people have been taught that uh, I have a choice. That's my right. And they like variety. You know, I have a friend who says, hey, every single day, she says, I can eat the same thing every single day. 
And for me, you know, I you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this weight loss thing. I don't know if I can do the meal plan. Oh no! <laughs> I'm like after the fourth day, I'm like third day really. That's rough. Day, I'm gonna just keep it real. I'm like third day. I don't want to think again. Meal plan. Meat chicken again. Yeah, I know. Just chicken again. But then again, here I am. I have watermelon in my bag every single day. I eat watermelon. Something's wrong with me. Is I don't know. But y'all, young people are like, I, if I can have this one, I can get this one. Oh, I'm gonna get this one too. I'm gonna get this one too. Whether it's male or female. Now to my white friends, I know it's hard not to make to not to make any black jokes right now <laughs> about the watermelon. <laughs> By the way, I know if you thought it, I want you to know I love you, but you're a racist. <laughs> and I am a human one. <laughs> Caucasian, Filipino, African American. See, that's what I was saying is that we're so fragmented in this generation. You can't tell where we came from for real. You know, like, but like, but like it's, it's so funny because my friends will be talking about stereotypes. I'll tell you something really funny. Yeah, I'm All right. So I was pastoring at this church. Did you? And it was this, uh, it was this, it was a, it was it was a Hispanic church. Okay. You, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I had an interpreter. I had an interpreter. All right. But but so here's what happened. I I like uh they were like, hey man, we really want you to work out, help out with the youth, because since okay. they speak more English, okay, then it only makes sense that you help the young people, you know, with you know speak more English and you know, help them understand. And so one day for some reason. I just asked them what they thought about black people. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, you know, they look weird. Some of them, they don't know. I don't think a lot of them are dumb. And they're just saying this. I mean, they're going in. Like, you know, they're ugly. And I was just like, okay, um, do you know that I'm black? <laughs> and they're like, you're not black. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. They're like, we thought you were Dominican. And I was like, wait a minute. So you said what you felt about black people, but didn't know I was black. And then you tell me what you thought I was, which is like you. That lets you know right there. And this is why I tell people, you have to be able to rise above offense. All yeah. the clarity you can get yeah. if you allow yourself to rise above offense. True. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, like if you, if you allow, I tell black people all the time, allow white, white people to ask questions, because mm -hmm. if they don't know, they're gonna keep acting in ignorance. Mm -hmm. But if you can if you can tell them, like like I, I love it when I hear white women say, "Why do black women walk around with a chip on their shoulder?" <gasps> well, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> you know, and then go, "That's not a chip on their shoulder. That's just tired." Or mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, and then they got to meet someone like you who has to, who's, who's, you know, thinking everything's on the up and up. You see what I mean? But then I'm the one who will teach our, our young African females, African American females, that listen, here's what society is saying about you. Prove them wrong. They Absolutely. We are angry. We are loud. We're mean. We don't queen each other up. Prove them wrong. Oh. Don't fall into oh, the same uh, Yes, please. Like, you know. the one, now, I think this is the thing that all women I've seen. It's just women just being mean to each other. It, it, it oh, you know, that's one of the things that breaks my heart. Cause you know, I got two girls, so I didn't got. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a traitor. You're <laughs> yeah. a girl, I'm a girl dad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's like, come on, man. Like guys, like it, it's, if you treat each other right, like 
a sister writes a book, man, it might, and I know you're an educator, this may be like, make your skin crawl, but if some misspelled words, still lift up, she wrote the book. You know what I mean? Uh, like we, we, I just say, I just feel like if women would build each other up with the intensity that they tear each other down. That's it. Um, amazing thing. But it has to be taught. It has to be taught and then practiced. So in the classroom, I see all the time. Like, girl, get away from me, girl. And I'm like, no, no, no. Say something nice about her. You queen her up. When I when I see a waitress and she waits on us and or she comes to our table, I always hi beautiful, hi beautiful. You you wouldn't believe how powerful that one statement is. When a woman who approaches another woman who she feels like, oh, maybe a little bit intimidating, and that woman says that you're beautiful, hey, gorgeous, you know? Yeah. It tears down barriers. The last thing I want is a woman to, to approach me and immediately look me up and down as if she can't stand me. I, my goal is to dissipate that. Yeah. I'm not having it. I'm going to clean up women. Now, I, I do got to ask you this, because I, I do know that the education is a, is, a, is a thing that will cause, I mean, how do I say this? What is the impact on a child's behavior and education because i'm tired of hearing this and uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay just say it dude you do quiet you're not scared of nobody safe, all right safe. so check this out if you sound smart you, you're trying to be white oh come on I, i'm ready to approach that one if you if you if you talk with intelligence if you articulate your words if you are educated you're trying to be white mm-hmm. how do we get rid of that thing yeah. Yeah, and I do believe we can. I mean, maybe not in my lifetime, but I believe we can because we're only 250 years old as a nation. Whatever happened in the past happened. It sucked. But we can change that. Oh, yeah. But intelligence, now you're trying to sound white for yeah. being intelligent. Can you please yeah. talk let, to that? Let me expound on that really quick. I grew up in a home where my mom is very articulate. This was this was championed. I, I didn't I, I learned to speak this way. Also learned how to code switch. Which meant that, and, and I'm telling you, it's a, it's a real thing. Let's talk about it. Yeah. To code switch, that means when you are in Rome, you do as a Roman. And you, but then when you, you can be a little bit more relaxed when you're around your family. I never knew I sounded white until I was with my ex. And I had my father-in-law hang up the phone on me. He, this is when we first started dating. And he said, and I called back and I said, your dad just hung up on me. He was like, oh, he thought you were a white girl. And that just crushed me. It just crushed me. It crushed me. You know, I went to an HBCU, and then I went to Eastern Virginia Medical School. <laughs> I had a code switch. Yeah. You had a code switch. And here's how you teach it. The reason why it's powerful is because people, this is society. Sometimes no, just you, me you Society will accept you when they, when they hear you speak articulate. The unfortunate part is that Speaking well is associated with the Caucasian race. And I tell, and even in school now, when I have students like, Ms. Asia Charlie, I'm like, you think low, look how low do you think of the African-American race? We can't speak with intelligence. We can't articulate our T's and our C's. We can't do that. That's good. And even when I try to sound more urban, it's still. It's still, still, what's up, homie? (laughs) What's up, homie? And that's that's the thing. It makes you want. It makes you want to. It makes you feel guilty about being intelligent. It makes you feel good. And I don't think we should do that to each other. 
uh, part of the problem. That's why I said I wanted to know how much it, it, it had to do with. Uh, it's funny how people will try to intimidate you because ignorance is in the masses. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I play on it. I, I It's almost like that pretty woman syndrome when she walked in as a prostitute into, you know, one of the stores on, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue or yeah. Beverly Hills. And, and they looked at her as if she couldn't. And she came back and she bought the store. Oh, yeah, you she know? bought the store. And I love it when people see me and they wonder, especially when I wear my big hoop earrings and I have, I'm sorry, and I have my big throw out, you know. <laughs> and it's like, hold on, it's like. Who was she? And then I and then I drop a few something on them, and it's like, oh, okay, I can accept you because you're not all the way black. Right. right. And I can't stand that. I can't yeah. stand that. It's the weirdest thing. It's, it's it's the weirdest thing. But but I do. But I I guess it's even weirder when we do it to each other. Right. We do. do you know what I mean? Do. When 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 uh, black people will see you speaking, articulate, and then kind of oh, you you. Bougie, you think you know it, or or instead of celebrating that someone went to a college, we'll go. Oh, you think you better than everybody? So it's always like this: tear you down instead of celebrate you. Uh, like how far you do you get before we catch up to you? You know what I mean? And it is just, it's sad because it's almost like we've convinced ourselves that we can only see ourselves going so far. Yeah, but you know, I made up my mind a couple of years ago that I'm not making an excuse for myself. And I will no longer be in a position where I feel bad about who I am. Yeah. I am going to take up space. I'm going to use this voice. I'm going to twist when I walk. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's, that's who I am. And you are free to be who you are. And if you want to change who you are, please change who you are. But this is who I am. I'm right. taking up space. I'm not shrinking. I'm not right. And, and, and it's not arrogant. Especially, that's, that's, what hear, that's what I was going to say is that it seems like there's a confusion between confidence and arrogance. Yeah. I'm confident in this, <coughs> is that God let me see Monday, today, or whatever. I don't know when you're going to post this. I'm not going to put a date in it. Scratch that. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Monday, okay. Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> One of you. But God, God gave me today. And because he blessed me with today, I'm going to I'm going to live it. And that is the confidence. That's the only thing I know. That I, And every morning I pray, hey, God, take this day and you unfold it like you want it to unfold. And a piece of that is me being allowed to be who, who I am. And if people really understood um, men and women more, the most confident people are like that because they're probably the most inwardly self-conscious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They got to give them all, their own selves pep talk. I had to give a pep talk to myself coming in here. Like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know what we were going to talk about. Who goes, <laughs> don't choke, Duke, now. Don't get in. Don't get in. Y'all, she was tripping when she came in. She said, I need to tighten up. What? I tighten up this thing. I this is going to be one of the best television shows we've done so far. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about being up here. I'm proud of you. And I don't think people are giving you enough flowers. I wish I knew about this a while ago. But I'm going to tell you who did Who's that? I because I did white church. I was hired in black church, so I did white church for huh? years, twelve years. And Sandy, the champion, I call her my seventy-something-year-old best friend. She wears your shirt. Do you know Sandy Champion? Yes. Yeah, she does the jail ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandy the champion. Wow. Yeah, that's that's, that's how I, you found her. That's crazy. Because so here's the thing: is that when when I believe that when it's really God, mm -hmm. it goes beyond you. Oh, that's good. When it's really God, it goes beyond you. And that that's kind of what what my aim is, is, you know, 
for people to really see that he's still alive. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of crazy stuff. We got racism, ageism, genderism, mm -hmm. you know, vegetableism, whatever, you yeah. know, like, oh. there's, you know, whatever it is. And there's so much stuff trying to occupy our minds and our hearts. But when we truly seek the kingdom of God, I've seen people dedicate themselves to civil rights. I've seen people dedicate themselves to education. I've seen people yeah. dedicate, and I'm like, God, I, you know, can I be one that just said I dedicated myself to you? Amen. Amen. You know what I mean? I'm cool with everybody dedicating themselves to what they dedicate themselves to. But I was just like, God, can I? Can I just be one? I know you got others, but can I be one of them? Yeah. You know. I um, for me, I think. Um, it became, when I came in close relationship with, with God, I read this book um, called Not a Fan. Mm -hmm. And the book was about how not to be a groupie of God. Even <laughs> how to be in a real relationship with, right. God, with Christ. And I stopped hiding from God, even now. Yeah, in, yeah. in separation. I'm not quite divorced, but I'm not married. And in that, you know, originally there was a guilt, like, God, I messed this thing up. Man. And, and I'm not saying the blame was all my own, but it's like, I I felt like the union he put together, I messed it up. But then I had I had to remember who I was. God is my father. So when I mess up, when I mess up, I don't try to hide it from him because he's accepted me as his daughter. I'm like, here, daddy, here, here I messed up. Come get me. I am Come so excited me. that you just said that. You know. Check this out. Yeah. Are you ready for this? I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> so God gave me this a few months ago about Adam and Eve. Okay. You know, so, so it starts with Eve first, right? So she ate the fruit, right? She sees that it's good for wisdom. She gives it to her husband. He sees her as the good thing. So he eats the fruit. So they both had their reasons why they ate the fruit. Yeah, yeah. All right? And then they both see each other. They hear God coming. They hide. They, they cover themselves. When God calls out to them and they come, he doesn't say, why are you covered? Mm -hmm. He never changed how he saw them. They changed how they saw each other and assumed he would too. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say, why are you covered? He said, where have you been? Yeah, yeah. And then when they said, they said where they were, and then they said why they were covered. Yeah. And then they said why they hid. Yeah. And he, he knew right off the bat, yeah. who did you talk to? Yeah. This is the power of influence in the yeah. very core of our human nature that God wanted to occupy that space of influence. Yeah. yeah. And he wants you to unveil yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Here's the thing. I, it's true. You might not have enough time to date. Look, when I, sin, sin is not separated from it, it God. Never he said there's nothing that can separate us from him. That's good. And I think if young people would realize that, um, and I talk to my children about, well, I'm a scientist for one. So, you know, I just, we talk about lots of things. Yeah. But one of the things um, they hear me pray is God, my children mess up, reveal it to me. I can't help them if I don't know. Yeah. And and another thing is, when you mess up, come, come to me. I might be able to help. We can work through this thing together. You know, there's love in it. And I think if more more young people knew that, um, there's a young man missing right now. He ran away from home because he got caught 
um, being back on school grounds and he wasn't supposed to. And it's all over Facebook. He's been missing, I think, since last week. And it's one of my students' cousins. And he's missing. The boy ran away from home because he's scared of what he's See, doing wrong. And, and, and this is what I think about a lot of young girls who have abortions because they think that they're going to embarrass their religious fathers right their religious mothers or not not just religious they know they but they don't want to hurt the family and you know if we could put the love of god first and lead with that where a kid would go all right i know that i messed up but i know that my mom and dad love me more you know what i mean okay. it, and that's why we, we can't lead with how angry i'm gonna be with you if you mess up sure. you know what i mean it uh <laughs> you got to call it online? Now. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's my, it's my, it's about my dad. Yeah. So this has happened before where I try to call my parents and complain about my kids. And my dad's like, you don't get to complain about that. Because, <laughs> see, how you were. Yeah, because, you know, like they got a tow truck bringing the car home, oh. <laughs> two tires, oh. and a big hole in the side. Like, uh, yeah, you don't get that. You don't get the touch. Your son broke his bike. You can buy another bike. You broke a car. You know what I mean? I and, and and it's so funny how we can so easily forget when we were young the longing for life, the longing for love, the longing to be understood, the longing to be heard, the longing for guidance. You know, and we used to, you know, uh, that's why we loved movies like The Karate Kid, seeing. Mr. Miyagi and Daniel Sun's relationship. True, you know, true. we loved all of that. And I wish the body of Christ would understand that so much yeah. and realize that we're never going to have a better example of relationship than God's pursuit of us. Yeah. I like that word, pursuit. I love it. Yeah, I he, love it. his pursuit of us. And I, this is, what I, this is what I, how I describe the Bible. The Bible is the story of a desperate father trying to save his children. Yeah. And then that he, he will not, he, nothing will stop. He'll do anything to save his children. Mm -hmm. And that's, and, and then there, it's like the stories of his pursuit and what his people did with it. You know what I mean? That's how I see it. Did you ever see the movie Taken? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. I'm going to take that back. Right. I, I never saw it. Oh. Here's what I do. I do spoiler reads. <laughs> so I read the ending. She said I cannot give two hours of my time. <laughs> it was too suspenseful. And I got a baby girl, too. Maybe it stirs something in me. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. But when you look at things like yeah, yeah. sex trafficking, when you look yeah. at things like, like who is this affecting? Like young people. Yeah, true. Do you have to deal with any of that in school, like sex trafficking, all of that? Like well, the, just getting our students to be careful what they share on the internet. They do stuff, randomly yeah. meet people. They, don't, I'm like, guys, this could be a catfish. They do a lot of that, a lot of trolling and um, sharing too much information, you know. And I and that can lead to opening themselves to sex trafficking. You know, I do. Oh, know for sure. There's a lot of sexual activity that's occurring and. Um, what concerns me is that parents, although they may restrict, hey, you're too young to date, so you cannot, if they have a son, you can't go to her house, or if you have a daughter, you can't go out with him. And that's why they end up messing with the same gender. Yeah. Because mom and dad will allow the same gender over. Oh, These are wow. sexualized kids in a highly sexualized world. And we're not teaching them how to diffuse 
all of these hormones, this explosion of hormones that are that's happening. And so what we do, we teach them to shut it down. But that's, is that that's realistic? A, yeah, and so How do you the, yeah. it? How do you work through it? And the danger with that is, yeah. the danger with that is, I've always said this, that oppression leads to rebellion. Yes, sir. It never leads to balance. Oppression leads to rebellion. Okay. And then what ends up happening is words that are good, principles that are good and healthy, <clears throat> like control. Look at that's a good world. Yeah. Right. So that's a good word. But control in the realm of oppression, mm -hmm. when you're in rebellion, looks negative. Oh, yeah. And then words like rebellion and freedom get mixed up together. Oh. I can do whatever I want, but really you're just rebelling against nature, rebelling against logic, rebelling against yourself, yeah. rebelling against science, rebelling because now you're in and, and you watch religious people rebel against logic because they want to defend their faith. And it's like, oh, no, that's actually in the truth category. You take this and actually put it in the, you know what I mean? Like putting the squares and the triangles and all that stuff in the right pot. Like these are faith issues. These are logic issues. These are, and God rules it all. But it's when we when we don't take the time to leave. and he said it my he said my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like right now, there's a guy named Darren Moore. You know Darren. You know Darren. He was one of my science teachers. Yeah, yeah. Darren Moore. <laughs> uh, so hey, Darren. <laughs> this guy, you know, uh, Darren Moore is trying to get people on board with cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. You know, and I'm just like, why wouldn't why wouldn't we want to be like I'm trying to get churches right now to start cybersecurity ministries to protect the people that come to their church. There are hackers that come and sit out in the parking lot and just collect data. Well, look at Bethel. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a total follower of their philosophies, okay? Uh -huh. But Bethel is a huge mega church over there on the West Coast, and they have a cyber cybersecurity college. You know, they're building up their people. Google yeah. it. Google it. See, that's powerful because, I, and that's exactly what I'm saying is that, We've got to be ahead of innovation. Yeah. Uh, and what what do you teach your kids that they can jump on this new Because this was a it, this has been like the the asteroid that hit the dinosaurs. Yeah. It flattened the playing field. Like everyone's got a fair shot now. Well, you got to remember, I, I ran Star Point Academy. We were an innovative school, so oh, right. down to the second grade, we yeah. were coding. Coding is the new foreign language. You know, yeah. you can learn Spanish. That's great. You know, but if you hold up your phone, you have Google Translate. You can speak Spanish instantly. Right. You, need to, you need to learn how to code. And then now with human computing and and AI and AI, now you have computer learning. So computers that can teach themselves. So it's not, okay. so that's creepy. Yeah. It, no, seriously. It yeah. computers that write their own code. So, you know, now we're almost behind the eight ball and if, and we're not watching Amazon enough. Let me go ahead and put this little shameless plug in there. No, go ahead. Amazon has their own coding language. Did you know that? No, I did not. AWS. Look it up. Look it up. Y'all, listen. Amazon, y'all think it's about shipping, books, music, merchandise. No, Amazon is a whole tech. That's why when the, the dude was like, oh, yeah, Amazon will be out of business in a few years because they might get too big. You don't think they're already looking at what their next move is. AWS, are you looking it up? Yeah, yeah, Amazon Web Service. Cloud computing. We're not watching Amazon close enough, but you ain't heard from me. No, no. You know what, this I, might be, I'm about to be the black girl who's got you on the Instagram. Hey, listen, listen, let me tell you. Hey, do it, because guess what? This is, I mean, this is what it means to be innovative and take, 
That's what these opportunities are here for. Yeah. To say, yeah. look at what, what's really happening. I did get my first influencer job. I can't say the name on this platform, but you'll see me in, a, in next week, I think. My student from IC Norcom has his own media company in Georgia doing big things with big people. And he said, hey, I have this I have this new contract for some science content. Are you interested? And I said, yeah. He said, and I said, you know, this is my student. Almost 30 now. I'm getting old. He said... He said, um, I said, well, does it pay? He's like, yeah. He said, 200 a pop. I said, for how many? He's like, 15, 30 seconds. I said, what? Wow. $200 per <laughs> post, per <laughs> post. Good grief. I'm about to do it. Oh, look at Where did this mic come from? The one that was there the whole time. She <laughs> <laughs> said, boom. So, boom. The, the, the boom. <laughs> AWS. I am not. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm fixing that. AWS. They think I'm going to. I don't know what they're going to think. You should, you, who, who is watching this? Who has spinach in my DM? <laughs> I'm going to fix my shirt. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is too good. I'm looking at a thumbnail. I don't have a full picture. I'm looking at a little. What? So you see, what you, don't, you don't see what we see. Yeah, but mine is smaller than yours. It's like in the little pixel corner. So, oh, okay, I got you. So, here, here's my thing. Yeah. When, when it, uh, this, the, the, the word of God and infiltrating the, the not infiltrating, but mm -hmm. okay. The, <laughs> it's, it's fine, it's fine. I'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you, uh, like, like uh, about speaking like, when it comes down to it. Uh, speaking about spiritual issues and things yeah. like that in the, the the school grounds and all that other mm -hmm. stuff. Like, do you believe that that's appropriate and appropriate? Um, and uh, and the reason why I ask is because I know there's a lot of people that says, "Hey, there's the whole transgender thing that goes on. People are allowed to talk about that. Why can't he talk about God?" Yeah. Can you talk a little bit to that? Yeah, okay. So here's my thoughts. I have a transgender student. Um, they are transitioning. I say they out of respect. Here, here's here's my thoughts. Um, I I am not going to sit in a position where I'm going to lose my money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if that's their rules, I will follow the rules. But there's also, I will... I also make it known what I accept in the classroom and what I don't. And a big part of that is respect. Mm -hmm. And you will not cuss around me. You are not going to use my God's name in vain. Just like I'm, I'm not going to sit up here and talk about your daddy. Don't talk about mine. And then I know it's hard when addressing issues because we do want to follow the rules. Educators are rule followers, but I'm the rebellious type. So here's what I do. Um, when they say... Um, Things such as, um, let me give you an example, uh, doing to others as you would have them doing to you. Mm -hmm. There's so many educators who have that poster in their, in their classroom. They don't know a scripture. <laughs> you know, right. they don't know a scripture. You know, you are the apple of my eye. They don't know that's in the Bible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I sit up here and I say, uh, you're not going to sit up here and, and, and looking at me all stiff neck. They don't know the word stiff neck is in right. the Bible. You know, so I'm... I'm 
Jesus out there. Yeah, that's because you—that's the application, and that's what I'm like. You don't have to be religious, but you—you yeah. you do have to be strategic. The increase of wisdom mm-hmm. is, is, I think, the biggest thing. Yeah. Wh- wisdom I, is everything. Exactly. But I sit in my car every morning um, and pray. I have a friend who will pray over me, with me, and um, even in the classroom. I I'm on the phone at times and I pray. And you have to do it. I haven't taken prayer out of the school. It's just that I can't be as open as I'd like to with it. Now, when I had my own school, even my second graders wrote a sermon. Oh, wow. I'm telling you. They, I have one of my English teachers. Um, she's going into um, Christian counseling right now. And I think she said she was watching. Um, she was an amazing English teacher. She had them writing sermons and Oh, that's amazing. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for this? I'm listening. So, what do we do with the gun situation in the school? Like, like kids having access to guns uh, in schools. Um, do you feel like that that we're having the the? Where does this conversation begin? You know, when you when you start talking about gun violence, like, are are we still talking about let's talk to our kids about violence and how they're really feeling, or are we having a gun conversation? I think we need to first talk about conflict resolution and how to let stuff go. Because I think that's a lot of the build up inside is kids harnessing and holding on to it and they don't know how to dissipate what they're feeling. If we could teach them how to work through feelings, I think that would be one issue. The second is the aggression of boys. How many of these mass school shootings are by females? Let's talk about it. Now, I'm going to tell you, the females, if you sit in the school and you teach in it, they look like the aggressors because those are going to be the those are the fights you don't want to see. Bras coming yeah. off. Oh, they Boys will will dap it up after they fight. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, we have we've had three on our hallway, and they're back friends, you know, or at least being cordial. Right. But as far as the gun violence is concerned, my thoughts are: let's first have a conversation about how to deal with feelings, how to conflict resolution, how to be open and transparent with your with your parents and your family and key players how to secure guns so that kids don't have access to them. And then here's a word to the wise, you know, I'm gonna put a little comedy strip on it, but I, I can tell the kids who are a little crazier. Right. <laughs> Those will be my riders. I'm not gonna, <laughs> right. I ain't gonna do them off. Look, right. hey, I was good to you this year. Don't you remember, forget, I was good remember. to you. <laughs> That's just smart. That's just smart. Know. Now we do have to deal yeah. with the, yeah, the situation of mental illness. You know, how, how, how do you do you think we've done it? I do you think we've done a good job on addressing mental illness? Uh, no, 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 I am just learning what feeling real is, and I've introduced it to my students so that they can at least put a word to what you're feeling because what may feel like anger could be hurt, right? Could be disappointment, right? You know, and then outside of that, guidance counselors have turned into test coordinators. And then they only deal with the extremes, the suicides. But there are kids who just need someone to talk to. I think every kid needs a therapist. Someone to help me decompress my Yeah. Head. Yeah, I because really because being I know that the the importance of the the need to be just understood yeah. more than the need to be right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will I will give somebody the ride or die side of my heart if they just take the time to understand me. The person that just wants to prove me wrong all the time, you're not going to get my heart. 
but the person that says I understand, yeah. it's a, it's like I I can I you you know and it's it's so funny because life really isn't that complicated. We're that comp. It, it's the way we interpret things. Okay. If we are underdeveloped, simple things are hard to interpret. Yeah. You know, if 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 no one guides us, it's hard to prioritize emotions. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because I have to figure out the format. I have to yeah, actually not just figure out the format, but create the format. Yeah. And then when people are, when I go, look, look what I created and how I handle conflict resolution. And you go, no, take that back. You know, like, that's not how you do this. And it's, you know, what's wrong with me? Right. And next you know somebody who just needed that to, to be understood. Yeah. Um, and you would think the school, you would think schools would be that place because it's so much about development. But I, I think that sometimes, I think that because of the antiquated system, it was more about processing not process, processing the actual kids. Get them in, get them in, get them out. Get them in, get them out. You know, there, there, it really wasn't about it. And I think that now, because communication has increased and our ability to connect to each other, now we have an, a, a bigger responsibility to respond in a more intimate way. Yeah, yeah. And social, emotional, intelligence is a new buzzword in education but emotional intelligence is something yeah, we, yeah. you know we we it's been around it's just that we're not i don't believe we're teaching kids how to deal and i don't believe um all kids i believe some kids have access to a listener yeah all kids need someone who can give them quality time just to listen and i think you know we had a YouTube studio in my school, the private school I owned. I think that would be an amazing thing because what kids could do, and every kid had to have a photo camera and a video camera, they could go in there and they could record themselves. And I think that might be interesting to do, you know, in public school. Let's give them a, a, a moment. Hey, every day you're going to do a two minute vlog, a video cast of something just so you can decompress and, and deconstruct your day. You know, everyone doesn't have someone. And here's what I'm missing. When I go home, of course, my kids, some of my kids are there. One of my, my daughters is there. You know, my son is normally at work. But the thing I miss about being married is having someone to say, hey, how was your day? And who could actively listen in FaceTime, real time, full time. And I think a lot of kids, especially my latchkey kids, I just gave them all sneaker um, keychains. 82% um, of my kids go home alone out of the 80 students that I teach. And I gave them little sneakers um, on a keychain, and I said, I was a latchkey kid too. A lot of them go home and they they go right into parent roles and nobody's is there Taught to say, them how to be relationship, yeah. Well, no one was there, is there to say, hey, how was your day? That's important. Right. You know? So like you said, the decompress was a huge word for me to yeah. say that. Because if you don't have any way to decompress, yeah. it's an easy way to fall into narcissism. Don't get me started. You know what I mean? It's an easy way to fall into narcissism, which do I've heard of, and this is one of the problems that I have with older people judging the younger people so much. At like every five minutes, I hear someone talking about narcissists, and I'm like, dude, you, you just because someone hurts your feeling doesn't mean they're a narcissist. All right, narcissist is a different beast. We're talking about mental illness. 
but we do have a culture that is creating narcissists and narcissistic traits yeah so i don't believe everyone is a narcissist i do believe some people exhibit narcissistic traits and a part of that is just manipulation yeah it's like i get to tweet like you've been editing while we were on the podcast okay i get to manipulate the situation i can photo filter i can filter my voice i can go on social media when i they learn manipulation to hey i can ask for an extension for my teacher or if i'm in college i can decide to go to class or not they're being taught manipulation you know and how to navigate that and and a piece of that is it it can lead to some narcissistic traits because i tell people like i do know what narcissists like like no one wins you know the narcissist is like trying to domesticate a shark you know what I mean? when, you're, when you're dealing with a real narcissist right. because narcissist one can't be wrong right so apologizing is something like those skills that you talked about it's like whoa whoa we're, we're teaching a, a culture that when times get hard you you abandon each other or walk away not not for some legitimate reasons um i i honestly believe that narcissism is, is again that word is being used way too much way too fast like people thought of the newest way to 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 make their mate or spouse look bad and just use it against them and you're a narcissist and then you got to prove that you're not a narcissist which means you might be a little bit of a narcissist thank you thank you <laughs> you know i i was in a situation one time where um i was i was overly using that word now it really doesn't matter i'm, I'm healing but you know can you imagine um being in the same household and someone walking past you being nice and cordial and talkative to everyone else but you for seven days watching you cry for seven days and my thoughts are with that is it changes you and i wonder how many of these children who are exhibiting some traits of narcissism are being raised by narcissistic parents, parents. that's what i'm saying and then you just breed you just continue to breed and cycle through the same things you know i just and, because at the end of the day it's I tell people all the time, insecurity is still a form of pride because everything's still about you. Mm. You see what mm. I'm saying? Insecur insecurity is still a form of pride because everything is still about you. And, and eventually, the narcissist is trying to manipulate to make sure they have security, stability. You want, you're on Team Duke. You're on Team Duke. You're on Team Duke. Well, you saw me and my flaw. Got to let you go because we can't let people know that those exist. Yeah. So... You know, and so that's what they do. They 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 just collect people, you know, um, with no intention to build a real relationship because they don't even have the ability to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know I recently read an article um, by a psychologist. They were, it was released by the American Psychology Association. I'll send you the link if I if I can find it. But the article said that in males, narcissistic traits are rooted to mother issues. Oh, I bet mother issues I, I i bet i know how much i sought out my mother's approval are you a narcissist oh pr probably <laughs> Goodbye. no 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 not let me tell you why yeah, i'm not yeah, let me yeah. tell you because because the opportunity was there yeah, yeah. but what, what what happened with me was my mom did such a good job my mom and dad did such a good job displaying relationship that that was their love was a that was my home not the house my dad their love for each other is where i live you know what i mean and so i found out the world didn't revolve around me by trying to have a little temper tantrum with my mom and then i found out my mom 
was actually my dad's girlfriend and wife and don't play with that you know what i mean like he's he's basically saying i'm the same dude that she that she started dating when we were 13 years old i oh. love her like she, i'm still her boyfriend and i will fight oh, you yeah. <laughs> i will fight you little boy and i'm like whoa 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 like i, yeah. thought, I thought i thought it was child mom dad yeah, yeah. and it was like no son you gonna you mess with your mom yeah you know i was trying to go skating had a bad report card Okay, sorry. Had a bad, and she was like, "You're not going anywhere." And I was like, oh, "What?" You know, you start hanging. I had a beard. I remember that. <laughs> I had a beard, so you gotta no, think. Dude. You can't tell me what I had a beard. I'm a man now. Dude. I have a beard. I it all came back to me. And I almost got dealt with by my dad by being disrespectful. A name just came to mind. I just saw her too. I don't know if I should say her name out. <laughs> because of the G, you know what I'm talking about. We were in the pageant together. G from high school. G, G, G. G, got G. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, you're cool. Like, everything's cool. You still we, talk to him? No, 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 no. I don't heard. No, I mean, you, you lose contact with everybody, okay. you know. I'm going to play Cupid. <laughs> you funny. <laughs> you funny. <laughs> but yeah, but it, yeah, that's a, you know, I, I hate that people lose contact with. But you can honestly say Facebook did. Uh, bring people together and connect each other that, that's cool but, but if it, it was just it was just based off yearbooks folks oh, would be banishing they'll look at me like oh girl you grew up <laughs> what? i was skinny and then i thought i was gonna get busted when i had kids and they didn't come i was like man i just had a scare i had a lump oh they found gosh. a lump and i was praying i was crying i was like lord they told me to come back because it was a it was an unusual lump and then i had to come back and then See, that's one thing y'all don't have to have mammograms. I think yeah. we need to make something like that. Anyway, long just, story short, just to play fair. Yeah, they need to squeeze something. Like that. Anyway, long <laughs> story short, it was it was nothing. It was just a it was an actual lymph node. But I said, God, I'm gonna be mad if you didn't give me good advice. They ain't gave me good advice. You should put some double D's on me. <laughs> I think that one of the issues is this: uh-huh. when, when, when men don't understand what women actually go through. Yeah, you're right. you know what I mean. And so you were talking about the narcissist thing. It's like yeah. I started thinking, oh, no, it's the the crying for seven days thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, to not check up on somebody and not see what they're going through and not, you know, uh, remember you said that 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 yeah. that anger yeah. could look like hurt. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, on a man woman situation in a relationship. Husbands and wives should always be checking on each other because yeah, yeah. if I still interpret you as you have an attitude right. when you could be hurting, yeah. Yeah. do you know what I mean? And how do you feel about the men are fixers conversation? Like when you if you started telling me that something's wrong right now, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to find a solution, but you might not be telling me to fix it. You might just be telling me. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If I dare to share... If I dare to share, I want you to be a part of it. If I dare to share, and that's just for me, because it takes a lot for me to share. Here's my thing. I'm okay with men being fixers. I'm a female fixer. But in order for a man to want to be a fixer, they have to like me. I think my ex got to the point where he was like, he was done. He didn't like me. Well, see, so let me ask you this. 
Let me ask you this because this is. I ain't going to get into it. No, I, I got you. Watch. You might. You, you do you know what? I don't know. You might know. I think you. I don't know. I, here's, my, here's my question for you. Yeah, I'm a, because it goes back like with the speaking with the talking white thing and you talk educated yeah, you talk yeah. white yeah. what one of the things that concerns me is when educated women get called snobs or stuck up or right. stuff like that i'm just talking about educated now, before i was talking about talking intellectuals just to you know we talk white but it seems like there's a target on educated women saying that they look down on their men no you know that was I don't agree and maybe maybe i'm different mm-hmm. you know maybe i am um my my ex didn't have a college degree you know and i never cared 26 years i didn't care because for me i don't think a degree defines a person he made lots more money than me for years you know in the car industry i i don't think a degree defines a person i feel like educated women have an expectation but then they lose out on heart you can have a man with a whole lot of money, but he has a cold heart. And I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want an educated man who has degrees. And what is that going to do? I'd rather have somebody who's entrepreneurial in their <laughs> spirit and they know how to hustle. Yeah. Not a hustle. We can survive. <laughs> right. But it's, that's what, but in young people, I don't think that they're, they're we, we, when you have time on you, you have time to see that that's value. With young people, you're looking at the end result mm-hmm. as what you want now. I want to get into that. Okay. Here, can we talk yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there is this notion that women are money hungry and oh, they boy. want men to take care of them. And that's what this, even the buzz in middle yeah, school. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's all on TikToks and all yeah. that stuff. These little clips, yeah. yeah. But you know, Steve Harvey said something. And I'm just, here's why I encourage people. Don't negate the wisdom of your elders. Steve Harvey, not that he's a tell-all, I don't know, but he said, what happened when you weren't taking care of women? It's a setup, though, because that means then the assumption is if a man takes care of a woman, the woman's going to be lazy. I also heard another female say, you put it in my hand, I'm going to multiply. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ooh. You take care of me, I got you. Bruce. That sounds like Miles Monroe type stuff right there. Yeah, and it is. It is. You know, I've always carried myself like that. I said, I think a wife should function with the honor of a wife, but she has to love on her man like a girlfriend. That's how she should interact. Fun, loving, free, like a girlfriend, but then she should put it down in the bedroom like a side chick. You know. <laughs> But you know what? You can pick me off. He's not gonna no. bite me back. He that's not true. No, time. that's not true. Because we this is this is the one place we're supposed to be talking about relationship and what yeah. it takes us, yeah. especially saved relationships, right? Because yeah. you you uh, you know one of my biggest concerns is the so I might go on this binge where God is putting on my heart couples that that are what is it, codependent. Okay. Uh, what kind Got of a, yeah, where they're like, you know, codependent in the sense of relational codependent, where they are abusive to each toxic oh, relationship. Like trauma bonding. Yeah, yeah. trauma bonding. Uh-huh. You know, and, but then the next phase when God is telling me to deal with marriages and relationship, it's the lack of conflict management and, and knowing when to get therapy, when to ask for help. You know, um, you know, there's that phase, and then, but. The one thing I know that between all of the different ways to destroy a marriage, that lack of communication is in every single one of them. 
-hmm. You know what I mean? That that lack of communication. But one of the ones that's the most peculiar to me is the person that genuinely loves their spouse, but their spouse is a workaholic. Mm -hmm. And they miss the cues. And then the person, be, all the person is feeling is rejection. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I, I'm so glad you're opening up this can of worms because I work and I interact with a lot of men who are unhappy in their marriages. And I also am around a lot of females who are unhappy in their marriages. And when I say unhappy, you have to own your own happiness. Right. But they're unfulfilled. The, the marriage, the unit, the unity is no longer fulfilling or beneficial to any, any of the parties. And the key of that, the key part of that is they are not communicating what they need and the other is not accepting it. So let's talk about the workaholic. Let's talk about the person who can't be home because they're trying to provide at home. Right. But then it's the lack of connection. Yeah. And communication is so tied in with connection. So when a wife is like, baby, when you gonna be home, you're gonna be home, she's doing it in a worse and nagging way. That's why I gotta teach non-nagging. Can I teach a non-nagging class? Yeah, absolutely. But guess what yeah. though? What? So I'm listening. This just hit me. Yeah. What's the revelation? Wow. <laughs> We're doing the providing, whether it's yeah. the husband or wife. Yeah, yeah. That's when he or she gets to slip in. The, the other he or she mm -hmm. gets to slip in because they can honor the person in a way that the person, the workaholic, can't even acknowledge them. Now they're being honored in a way that they're normally never like. They, they don't see that they they usually work in because they're workaholic. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This is where that intimacy time has to come into play. Like, like vacation cannot be an option. Look, I sat back and I just made myself a year-by-year -year calendar. And I realized that in 26 years, we only took two significant solo vacations. Can't do it. It was detrimental to the yeah. marriage. And here's what happens. When you're a workaholic, normally you work along someone. Let's say you work together. You become my work husband. I'm your work wife. Yeah, right. I spend more intimate time with you than my man at home. Right. That's how infidelities happen. Right. And if you don't connect back at home, and I get women, your mothers, you're working, you're tired, and then your man comes home and he's ready to be intimate and you're too tired. There's so many men who are here, you're sex hungry. And the first thing that the first person that's nice and Oh, she's willing. Oh, she knows I'm married. Oh, she's willing to give it to. Me. And then the female, the, the woman at home is like, well, how could you do that? I walked my daughter around in Kroger. And I said, I want you to look at all these couples. The man, the man was, the wife was pushing the cart. The man was looking miserable. The wife was looking mundane. And, she, and I'm like, no, when you walk out of this house, you look like a 10, like you going on the Oprah show. Not just for your man, but it's the upkeep. If he wanted eye candy when you were his girlfriend, why can't he have eye candy when you're his wife? Right, why and that not? that becomes tricky because because see, and, and, and then you're you're absolutely right because I've I've been telling couples this for a while now. I said, listen, y'all have to be number one to each other. Yeah. If I said he needs, if he sees a beautiful woman, huh. he needs to be able to say, hey, babe, hmm. she's pretty, exactly. just to keep mischief out of his head. And because it's that the bond should be so strong that you should be able to talk to each other about any exactly. and everything. Because sweatpants season is real. 
psychologically we've all been bamboozled that you know uh only men think about sex more than women do and it's not true it's just a way to make us you know feel more superior and then women get to hide it you know because you know it's i guess it's not ladylike but women get to hide it okay. you know because <laughs> well i'm talking about when you i guess when you're growing up you're supposed oh, to hide yeah, it. you know yeah, you're, yeah. when you get older you know yeah. you're like man you don't mind your business you know? well when you get older in your 40s do what they don't tell you is that women, that's when we reach out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and with that being said, this is why, this is why it bothers me that husbands and wives don't give themselves a chance to experience each other at their, at their best, right. but we'll give our best to our job. We'll give our best to uh, our kids. Mm-hmm. We'll give our best to, you know, um, our friends. We, I mean, we even, you don't even know the judge. All rise, you stand up without question. You'll give your best to the police officer that's getting ready to give you a ticket. You'll be respectful, even though they, they, they're holding you accountable, yeah. telling you you did something wrong, and you're not going to snap on the police officer. Yeah. But it's like we, we messed up. We, we made it seem like your husband and wife, if they really love you, they're the ones you should be able to tear down the most. Yeah. They're the ones you should be able to flip out on the most. You should be able to, you, you won't do that to anybody else. I know. I notice even when I tell random people or, pe- or male friends that I have and I say, I'm proud of you. It's almost like they perk up like, they proud of you? Like they don't hear that, you know, and it's affirmation. These are love languages, you know, that Gary yeah, Chapman, yeah, yeah. but I believe there's others that, you know, Gary Chapman didn't talk about. But, you know, I feel like there's such a hunger for something um, not to be torn down, um, to have some peace, no drama, you know, and men are looking for things and then women are looking for things too, you know, yeah. you'd be surprised if a man holds a door for your wife and then she just gravitates like, or if a man says, T- tell me how you're feeling, or, um, you mentioned your, your dad wasn't around. I want to hear about that. And a woman perks up. I've seen it happen in front of my face. Like she perks up like, oh, he wants to know wow. about me. You know, here's here's it's communication. If we could go yeah, home that's and say, I, I need sex, I need you to listen to me. I'm tired of only listening to you. I need you to ask me intimate questions. I would like you to rub my feet before we do. You know, if we could just communicate, if we could communicate, but we keep so much stuff inside. You know, you know the the. I gotta ask you about forgiveness because this is a big part of communication too. Um, and, and I think I think that forgiveness got put in the religious category when it's just an intimate category, right? Uh, so the first part is how do you how do you teach people how to forgive themselves first? Yeah, so the way you forgive yourself is to ask God, can you show me and tell me what you think of me? Yeah. You have to be reminded through his word who you are. Because the enemy's right there to steal your identity every so single exactly. time. And I think one of the best stories um, to look at is Job. You know, mm-hmm. can you imagine Job being so intimate with the Lord and just seeing his whole life crumble? Having a wife and two friends who really are not supporting his spirituality. Only for God to come in and start questioning Job. Who told the sea how far it could go? Who told the waves where to stop crashing? 
You know what I'm saying? And then to be reminded by God how powerful he is and he don't care. Yes, yes. Listen, you may think your situation is a result of your stuff. Sometimes God is allowing. Oh, yeah. Where have you been, enemy, devil? Walking to and fro, seeing who I can can, devour. You know what I'm saying? No. Sometimes it's allowed to build you up stronger. And so when it comes to teaching forgiveness and forgiving yourself, it's you are allowed to be human. Yeah. God knew we would fall. Now, now. You're allowed to be human. Why is it easier for mom and dad to forgive kids but not each other? Well, I think because people hurt deep and we weren't taught forgiveness. No, I do. Who no, taught I'm, you? I'm saying that you're right. Yeah. We, weren't, yeah. we weren't taught it. We weren't taught how to forgive. Here, here's how I teach forgiveness. I teach it is an important enough for you to still be angry if they are dead, then you need to think about it. Let me tell you how extreme oh, I am. Well, that's powerful. I, I'm talking extreme. Yeah. Extreme. That's why my kids are so close. Thank you, Jesus. People talk all the time about how close my kids are, and it's because when they were younger, the rare times that they did have a conflict, I would make them stand up. We, would, um, we had our, our mantle fireplace, and I'd make them stand up there, and I said, okay, well, t- say your brother's eulogy. Say your sister's eulogy. You imagine them in a oh. casket. Oh. I, I, Is this situation this, this important where you wouldn't shed a tear if they were gone? You know what I'm saying? You have to take people to that reality. Yeah, you do. Because, see, here's the thing, is I'm on the other side of that exact reality. Yeah. See, I wasted time. Me and my, me and my, my brother was four years younger than me. Okay. And, man, I was dismissive with the relationship, especially once I got the car. You know what I mean? I was in ninth grade. I got my car. I was 10th grade. I got my car. Um, yeah, I got in 10th grade. Yeah. Oh, okay. you know I mean? oh. oh, hey. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a mess. Yeah, but, so um, I'm doing this thing and I'm driving and I notice I don't see my brother much because I'm hanging out with my friends, right. doing, you know, teenage stuff. Yeah. Not really being taught that the relationship. Now, my dad and my mom, my dad, my mom had three sisters or, or two, two other sisters. Oh, geez, there's three. But my dad comes from a house of nine. Wow. And so relationship, wow. they didn't need a lot of friends, right? Yeah. So I have my little brother who's four years younger than me. And he's not, he's in that place where he's not old enough to really be one of my boys, mm-hmm. especially I got the car now. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell, one day my friends played a prank on me and they were like, we were playing how to go seek. Uh-huh. And like three hours later, I was still trying to find people. And they were sitting in the house playing a video game. Three hours? <laughs> yeah, I was dedicated. <laughs> I was dead. I was like, gotcha. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> and like three hours later, and then they were like, "Yo, you were still playing. We thought your mom got you." They were like, "You were still playing the whole time." Right. Oh man, they met the range of Duke that day. They did. <laughs> oh, it was so. So here's what happens. Yeah. I see my brother playing in the yard by himself. Yeah. Now my brother playing in the yard. I'm like, I don't need these guys. I got my brother right. Yeah. Check this out. I remember saying, dude, the only reason you're doing like as soon as you're not mad at them no yeah. more, yeah. you know you're not gonna wanna play with mm-hmm. your brother anymore. You know that. Yeah. And I'm like, no, seriously. And me and my brother, well, he was so happy to be around me. 
You know what I mean? He was so happy. He was like, yeah, you want to play baseball? I don't think all the movie stuff we can do. We can play catch together. And I'm just building his vision of this wonderful relationship we're going to have together. And then I got my car like the next year yeah. and we didn't do any of it. You know? And I, I would I didn't even notice if, but I noticed this, he would get, he get this boy would cry if he got a B. He would be the full scholarship to William and Mary. Nice. All my friends loved him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he had, really, you know, cause I, at this point I joined the military and I left. He stayed and ended up connecting with pretty much everybody I knew growing up. And he, dies at 22 years old Duke, your brother died. I'm sorry. yeah so you got to think about this one of the reasons that i was so dismissive i'm so proud of you for doing what you did with your kids because i was like man he's a kid right now like when he when we turn in our 20s then we'll be the best friends we'll do this i assumed we have more time then because kids don't die and and i think as parents we got to do that job to tell the ugly stories you know, more than just the boy who cried wolf. Right, right. We got to say, hey, listen, I may not be here one day for y'all. Sure, sure. You guys got to, every day matters. We can't let arguing and dumb stuff come into the relationship. Yeah. It, it, we we got to protect each other. I don't want to see you. I don't want you to feel guilty that you could have, you know, brought me a drink without an attitude. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I remember thinking like, Yo, this is wild. Like 22, and I'm thinking, oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be best friends now, yeah. right when I'm ready yeah. to value the relationship. Yeah. Missed all of that opportunity, trying to be cool, trying to fit in, trying to that's the stuff that I don't want kids to feel. Yeah. I wonder if we did that for marriages, you know? We if you got to a young couple early enough to say, Hey man, you're going down the wrong path, it's gonna hurt her. Hey, hey, you're going down you the wrong do path, it's gonna mess up him, you know. And if we had someone, an overseer of the marriage, you know. Well, I think it, it has to happen. It used to be the priest, right? I think the media gives us the opportunity to do that, mm -hmm. but we need the influencers and people such as yourself on a platform where you are communicating where you're talking like this is your I, this is your home this is where you got to be like you this is i'm telling you because people can hear you yeah. i think that we put we put too much pressure on oprah <laughs> you know what i mean but she's like where's everybody else i ain't the only one yeah. and yeah. that's true yeah it's true she's not only you know because the worst thing is that, is that she can believe she's some kind of messiah figure. Like that's the worst right. thing that can happen. Yeah. So if you start, if we say, hey, well, oh, we experience what we experience, so that we can properly lead. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that that's one of the, the things that I loved about being in the military, yeah. is that I I got to see the principles of God apply, and yeah. I got to see the I saw punks turn into men you know what i mean i saw the scum of the scum you know just people who were just so into themselves i saw people who were completely just you depressed they would think they were just complete losers you know I watched them turn into warriors. Nice, nice. I saw the military, like, and, and it's like, man, maybe this needs to be 
where you graduate high school and everybody do two years. I ain't scared straight. You know, right. Because because <laughs> here's the thing, it's like it's, I, I saw this transformation yeah. happen yeah. and I know I don't think I could have made it without joining the military. That's profound. That's profound. You Did know, I hear that? Oh, okay. Don't forget, I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, it's yeah. the the strength that you, when you think you're tired, there's more strength in there. Yeah. But what, what, where you get the strength from is you think about everyone else that's depending on you staying strong. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, there's times, if you ever, if you see my Facebook video, I know sometimes you might be like, what is going on with you? You know, but my Facebook videos. I gotta like, get on Facebook more. Yeah, tell me about. Well, well, I want to be in transparency. Like you might see me talking about different things. Uh, the struggle of say having a kiosk, right? The, the having a kiosk in the mall, and I talk about how much we need support and or the station, and I'll be very transparent. Yeah. Where other people will be like, man, stop, stop begging, stop whining, stop. It's like, well, your opinion really doesn't matter because you don't know what it's like. Exactly. To, to be fully dedicated yeah. and need the support of brothers exactly. and sisters in Christ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I watch people's different opinions of the support that we need. And it's like, we're running a television show. We're running a radio station. We're running, we're yeah. doing some real things. Yeah. And, and people talk about doing stuff after the four walls of the Bible, beyond the four walls of the church. Yeah. They're like, well, well, the reason why a lot of people are scared it's because when you do things beyond the four walls of the church, hmm. the people don't show up. I'm only talking about it. And so they, so he's like, yeah, let's stay safe in the school system. Yeah. So then we have innovators like you that can go to the next level. Yeah. But it's like, you actually be better off staying in the school system right now. But you know, I'm glad I didn't stay. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't stay. I'm yeah. glad that I listened to God and I built the ark and I went. See, that, I'm glad I did. And I'm going to tell you, because it cost me, it cost me everything. Yeah. It, it, I knew why Obama came out great. Right. <laughs> Do you love that right. It cost you everything. But without extreme sacrifice. See, you preach it right now. You can't say, and, and I think this is where a lot of the young people don't trust the church and politicians. Because after a while, it's like, for them, it's a great sermon and a great speech. But you're talking about the warfare that people live in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, exactly. So then when you become, when you start to care yeah. for those people or care for that cause, yeah. care for that, and you become intimate with sure. their warfare, sure. it, it, your understanding, you, you know you're going to look crazy to everybody else. Because like you said, it costs you everything. Well, check this out. When Christ said, <laughs> when Christ said to the disciples, you too will carry your cross, yeah. it wasn't an analogy. It sure wasn't. He was saying unto death. Yeah. Like, you don't use an analogy like that when you can literally see three guys hanging on a cross. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, you're going to do that. That's what he was saying. Exactly. He was like, we're going to go through this. this. You know, and when you look at we don't even see that looks crazy. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it right there. Is that young Duke? Yeah, but it's crazy because that's just. I, I, here, blow it up. Here, let me see the full full screen. Yeah, can you make it? Let me see. When I look at this lady right here. Wow, that was you, dude. So here's the thing. 
Wow. Do we want to know how this whole thing, this is what this, she's the one that, that started, that, that really, you know, opened me up to studying the scriptures from a messianic Hebrew yeah. perspective. Yeah. The way that they were, were just running through the uh, slavery and just running through the Holocaust, I got really upset about it because I felt like it was so important for people. This is when God really just exposed my heart and I didn't have to make an excuse for who I was anymore. I started trying to stand up to the teacher. He's like, hey, man, you being disrespectful. We're just trying to go through this course. I'm like, but it's not a course. It's people's life. Yeah. I'm taking it yeah. seriously. Yeah. Yeah. They sent me to the office. Man. You know what I mean? I, guess I got this service class and everything. While I'm in the office, I had just turned 18. While I'm in the office, who can't just send Duke to the office? Who <laughs> <laughs> can't just send Duke to the office? I called a Jewish synagogue. And the Jew what? The, Jew, the Jewish, uh, the Jewish, yeah, the Jewish record. I was at the Jewish uh, historical center, is what uh -huh. it was. And I told them how the story of the Holocaust was being treated at Oscar Smith. Oh my God! That was Friday. That Monday comes up, right? That Monday is news cameras out there. Esther Goldman, who became one of my mentors, is a survivor of the Holocaust. And when she went to shake my shit, the thing called me down to the office and said I had a visitor, came down to the office, and she went to shake my hand, and her oh, serial number came out. Her. Yep. And her and her husband, her, her and her husband, she got married after she came over here when she was like, you know, I was like 15 or 16, she came over here. And when she finally got married, they she said, when I saw your name, I had to come here. Oh. Because they owned the first grocery store on Duke Street in Norfolk. Wow. So that's when, and she said that they used to have these studies, yeah. right, in the grocery stories, because they couldn't just tell people that they were Jewish. Yes. They had these studies, and she said, one day, you know, that we're going to reconcile the church in Israel, and, yeah. you know, they, the people needed to know this, and that was always on her heart. And she felt like this was the time for that. I love it. And uh, that's when we came up with the idea for the Tree of Peace that ended up being towering over the school. And I'm so proud of her because she ended up yeah. writing a book. And based off this encounter, she ended up going to like 50, 60 different schools across the nation before she passed away and teaching people about wow. the importance of Israel and the church and never to be silent to never let anything like the Holocaust or slavery happen again. She went, she's the one that started uh, teaching that to kids. And, and uh, when I talked to her son a few months ago, yeah. he said, you know what's interesting? Yeah. The majority of kids years later that call back, like these black kids that call back and say, hey, I just want to say your mom touched my heart. She did this. Because yeah. they, they actually forget how much time has passed by. And they try to get back in contact with it. But that is a dope story, Duke. I'm so yeah. happy for you. Like that is a true testimony. Oh, she yeah. she was amazing. And, and, and but it it's people like her. The reason why I brought her up is because yeah. you remind me of her. I hope so. I hope my kids one day come back and say you made a difference, Miss Davis. I hope they do. Oh, can I can I ask you something? Yeah. Who do you remember from teacher teacher wise? Who impacted you from Oscar Smith? I gotta tell you, Mr. Bazzano. Okay, what did he teach? What was his? He was history. Okay, I didn't uh, know. He he was he was just he made me fall in love with history, right? Okay. And show me why it was important. 
Did you have Mr. Keel for history? Rock, rock, planet rock? No, no, I didn't. The chicken. The chicken. He, 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 he did. He did. He did. Yeah. And then, so this is not high school. This is Miss Stafford. Miss Stafford went to a private school. I went to school called Green Hill Farms Academy. Oh, you were in private school. I was what in year? private school. I know this when I was a kid. Like I was like, like oh, yeah, I was yeah. like seven or eight. But okay, then, yeah. You know, I went to Catholic school first. I got kicked out of there. We already knew this was gonna be a rough. <laughs> like this kid, this kid's, this kid's. He's a rebel. He's a rebel. <laughs> so I get kicked out of Catholic school, go to Christian school, meet Miss Stafford there. Okay. This lady, Miss Stafford, believed that the, that God was with me so much, she left her job at the Christian school to follow me to Crestwood. Really? And she got the job at Crestwood to watch me. Then when I went to Oscar Smith, she she became a substitute teacher at Oscar Smith wow. to watch me and, and to constantly remind me who I was in the Lord. Look at God. Putting angels in your pathway. Oh, I love that. It was, uh, uh, and then my, my parents having such a good reputation in the city, I couldn't as knuckleheadish as I wanted to because I had you know eyes everywhere. But to answer your question, Miss Stafford and Mr. Brisanio, uh who is you know, just, you know, Brisanio. hilarious. I and Coach Savoy. I gotta say Coach Savoy. Okay. Every time I wanted to give up, Coach Savoy was like, so is that what we're doing now? Quitting? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what I about you? That. I love that. Um for me it was Avis Brown. She taught me. <sighs> You made me cry. That is my baby doll. I just saw where she um, initiated a reunion amongst the, um, I wonder if we can tag Avis Brown. She is amazing. She initiated a, re a reunion amongst all the retired teachers. Miss um, Joseph, Julian Joseph's mom, another wow. English teacher. Um, who was? Um, Avis Brown. My yeah, heart Avis just almost cried. Um, wasn't she? Yes. A, she directed my wedding. I had an honorary thing for all these influential educators who helped me in my career when I first started my private school. And unfortunately, all these other ones, they, they couldn't show, but Miss Brown showed like she and oh, her shit. and Miss Joseph, like they they were instrumental. Both English teacher, I became a both English teachers. I became a scientist, but I don't know if I remember any of my science teachers. Oh man. But those women. She would never give up on me because I think she she went. She was at Crestwood with me, and then came to Oscar Smith. Brown. I think it was it was it at the old Smith, the old Oscar Smith. Yeah, we were at the old Oscar Smith. Oh, and no, then I came. Was, you were older than me. Yeah. What year did you come up? Ninety-seven. Oh, I never went to the old Oscar. Smith. Yeah, so I, she, I think she was at the old Oscar Smith, okay. and then came over to the new Oscar Smith with me. I was like the second. Well, we, I was the first year of the new school, but. The, the second to graduate. Does that make sense? No, we were the first to graduate. 1998. I live in New York. Out of the, the first complete new one that didn't have any contact with the old oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so the old one, we were the first, like I saw, that we went on a tour to see it get built. Oh, okay, like, we, we were oh, the, first, the first. But, but, okay, the, but yeah. the 96 generation, they, they, they were at the old Smith yeah. and then they graduated. Then we were there. So you guys were the first pure new building, pure blood. <laughs> And then y'all football team was awesome. My heart was horrible. We were awesome. <laughs> yeah, y'all football team wasn't no joke. You know, but but you know the impact that we can make on each other mm -hmm. is, is so powerful. Uh, 
one I think we have to have, we have to realize if you're doing something for money, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. Sure. Do something that you can make an impact in. And when you look at the position of a teacher, yeah. it's so important. It's the, a teacher is so important. And these kids need you to be into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So how do we not wear our teachers out? What like how do we keep our teachers energized and refreshed? Well, well I'm scared to say this on that. <laughs> <laughs> I need the right now. <laughs> I get it. I get it though. I get it. Yeah. We can talk I about know. that off air. We can talk about yeah, that off air. Because that because because ultimately I know that that because what happens is once the you know. I, I I saw this video with his like uh, albino kid or whatever was going off on the teacher and he was like, "You do remember that he had the oh, long yeah. hair uh-huh. and he was like, these kids don't learn from a packet, they need to be taught, you know." And, and then she was flipping out on him. She was, or he, I think she was, just kind of shut down. Well, she was tired. She yes. that's what I was going to so, say. So maybe here here's can I tell you what overwhelms a teacher and then yeah. maybe we can okay. so. Not that any of this is happening to me, but <laughs> but here's how you overwhelm a teacher. We have to deal with 80 plus, and some carry a roster of 100 plus student personalities. That is a major conference every single day. I'm not saying parent-teacher conference. I'm saying imagine going to a minister's conference and having to sit through workshops all day. Not only do you sit through them, you have to design the lesson. You have to deliver it. And I have to meet with other professionals, other people who are teaching my same subject. Then I have to meet with people who are teaching on my same team, different subject. Then I have to interact with parents and the administrators and I have to watch them go to lunch. And I have to deal with personalities and backlash. And then I have to try to remember to focus on the kids who want it. I'm tired. That That's how you get drained. I'm tired just from hearing that. That was... That was that that was a lot of because that's just a lot of you in your head like like just of what because then you have to actually deal with it let alone think about dealing with it and then you have to correct behavior because you have to manage the classroom so as you leave the classroom you have to set an expectation in the beginning you're talking you're doing this but you're also dealing with students with multiple mental undiagnosed ish issues bipolarism they can switch back and forth hyperactivity also they are exhausted but when kids get exhausted do they shut down no they speed up they're ready to socialize right i'm tired i'm too old for this (laughs) (laughs) and then this is why teachers leave because then they look at how much am i making oh could i not that i'm in this job for the money but as a professional i deserve to be compensated and for the amount of stress and the little compensation. I know, I've known teachers who've lived in their cars, who've had bad debt, and I also have children of my own I'm trying to navigate. And do I have time to take off? Because the SOLs impact my teacher evaluation, but I need to be seen by a doctor. But it's shunned, it's looked down upon when, when you're out too much. Or what if I have a death? Like one of my good teacher friends, her mom just died. She's been out for, for, for weeks. How does that put me ahead or behind? And then what if I have a conflict in my household? My marriage is bad, children are acting up. What if I'm dealing with all of this, but I have to show up every day 
and still teach. You make it make sense. Good grief. See, this is where I think that this is where I think that teachers get underestimated. And the conversation is, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's it's the same conversation as police officers, to be totally honest yes, with you. Sir. You know, the yes, same conversation. Because when we go, oh, we don't have to, uh, so I'm saying this. My name is Duke White, and I'm saying <laughs> this. Uh, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, we will say we don't have the money, but we can build some unnecessary stuff in the city, but not compensate the teachers or for those who have a professional football team, you know, it's like, wow, they can pay this perfect, like businesses can come together and fund a football team. It was like, Hey, what if we got the businesses investing in our schools? You know what I mean? Like, what if we got the businesses and, and, and honestly, even the churches, you know? Well, you know, there's been separation of church and state. Yeah. So there are ways that churches can come alongside of schools. But also, I don't believe it should be on the non-profit sector side. You know, I think we need to look at, you know, other ways that education can be funded or compensated. Oh, that's you just know? the truth. Well, yeah, yeah, that's just the truth. It's just like, you know, that was just trying to look at another way. Like, yeah. they don't look like they're interested. Let's yeah. talk about these guys. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, it's just true that, you know, it's it should be like, hey, these this is our future. These are our educators. We've got to invest in them. And we need to learn the art of how not to deflate a teacher. Because they come in ready, bright eye, you know, puppy dog tail, and they're ready, they have passion. And then we say, ooh, you have to only teach this. You can't do it that way. Here's the schedule. You don't get any input. I'm not going to invite you to the table to give me your input. And we deflate them. And then. Because you can come up with an idea that someone else takes and presents as if it's their own. And then. So let me ask you this mm-hmm. lean on me. They won't be on me. Oh yeah, they used to call me Joe. Now they call me Batman. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. do it all the time. I got yeah, a bat in my yeah, classroom. Yeah, yeah. I don't play. So, <laughs> so when you look at it, that that yeah. type of teaching approach, yeah. where it's more authoritarian, mm-hmm. more let's get the order straight, kick yeah. the kids up. When is it time to say? Remember that scene we kicked all those kids out that were not being. You do you understand? I know why. Here's why. I'm gonna tell you why. I had a child tell me, and that's why I started my private school. I had a child that told me, literally in, in the school district I worked in before, I almost said it, she, she said, when are the teachers going to focus on us? The whole attention was on the kids acting up, but we lose sight of the kids who really want it. Oh my God. And I, that's my thing. Sometimes you got to knock some sense into a child in a non-physical way. And that's the way Joe Clark decided to do it. He was like, hey, you, you getting out of here. Here are the boundaries. How come we can talk about boundaries in other relationships, but not in education? Where is the boundary? This is what you're allowed to do. And I know we talk about rules and expectations. Yeah. But the truth of it is the law won't let us not teach your kid. <laughs> Everyone is is has a right to equal equal and as strong of an education as someone else. That's what every educational law boils down to. Every kid has access. What's crazy is you, like you just said, you know, like, oh, a student actually said that to you? What did they focus on us? 
Yeah, women are focused on us. And so I do, this is what I do. I call them the five percenters. I know, well, I shouldn't call them. I'm calling them the seven percenters. I know five percent is something else. Yeah. But let's say we call, we call them the 10 percenters, okay? These are the kids who show up. They're ready. They want to learn. And then they get disappointed because it's like, oh, the bad kid showed up today. The bad kid didn't sleep. The teacher actually wants to teach the kids who don't want to learn. And then it becomes the redirection of the bad behavior. And the best classroom managers have to do that. And then the kid who really wants it is like, you're slowing down instruction for the kids. And I prepare. And you know what's crazy? And what this means in the future is a future conflict. Because now when I get in power, I'm going to have less mercy on you as the kid that needed this extra help or was going through this stuff. And I'm not going to have that empathy. I want to be like, everyone's got a story. Everyone, Because when, <clears throat> when you know you're trying to get a better life or build a better life for you and your family or, or whatever, and then you actually see someone self-sabotaging, you're like, let them self-sabotage, you know? And when you get some power, you're less empathetic. You don't have the, you know, unless you really have a real come to Jesus moment, you can take that the wrong way completely. And then use that power to to not understand and to disconnect. Mm -hmm. So my, my my thing is, I'm so I'm so proud of you for starting the school. Uh, you know what I mean? And then I know, I, I, I know, I know, because because being a visionary is tough. Yeah. You know, and then you, you 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 know. But my thing is that with the opportunity to open up a system of homeschoolers, because mm -hmm. my kids are homeschooled and. Uh, it was it was a nightmare to be to be, to be homeschooled because uh, the program that they use require it doesn't require that like they have a real teacher. Uh -huh. It's just the information's there. They can't pass until they get to the next grade. You know, until they study what needs to be studied. But I have the kind of kids that needed to learn from a teacher. Uh -huh. So, how powerful and and you know how powerful would do you think it really is possible that that or do you really think it's possible for kids to get that intimacy from the homeschool teacher program system? Because I legit am thinking about launching one. Well, we had a homeschool partnership at my school and it was amazing. Kids had an option of a two day or a three day program face to face and then they did the work at home. My thoughts are I love the autonomy of homeschoolers. I still do homeschool evaluations every year for their annual progress. And I write those letters. I'm working alongside of a family right now who's homeschooling for the first time and doing consultations with them. My thoughts are though, I feel like with the homeschool is so unregulated, you know? And deregulation is awesome when you talk about freedom and autonomy. But I also believe that they need support in areas too. They when do. mom and dads and parents and caregivers become teachers, where's their support system? And there are associations for that. But I believe for students who need a different environment, who don't like doing work at the kitchen table, yeah. who would like to be amongst other students, I think going into some type of um, homeschool partnership is important. Now, um, I have a couple things brewing. I have to get divorced first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that. Put a pin there. We'll get that. Yeah, because you know you launch a business and then they get mad. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is something. It's something you're gonna do. Something you're gonna do. Not done with me yet. I'm gonna say that. Oh my gosh. No, but I get it because I'm just like I see the power of homeschool, but yeah. people. 
people have to really want to do it. You know, like yeah. my situation, you know, the, we try to put a person in charge of the homeschool. They just completely just let everything fall apart. But it's like, whoa, just yeah. like you can forget these kids are growing, developing. They need to learn it because if kids do need to learn a certain way, they need to learn a certain way. And I think homeschool allows that creative opportunity. But you can't have somebody who's tired and sick all the time and going through stuff and to, to, to homeschool. You need somebody that's energetic, lively, and can focus on that. Yeah. You know, uh, now. And, oh, yeah. No, I was just saying, it's just that, that value, I think, should be compensated. Oh, yeah. 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 I think, I, I, you know, and there's, there's, there's compensation that's out there, you know, that you, in the homeschool world. I think that's why I started my school, too. I wanted my, I saw the impeding, like there was a pending enrollment to a school that I did not want my daughter to go to. I believe she would have been pregnant or raped or in fight. Like I, I it wouldn't have been good for her. I, I did not want her to go to that that school and God opened doors. And I wow. thought about that. I said, hmm, I really homeschooled my kids for 60 years, you know? Right. I really did. But the cool thing was we, we they were amongst others, you know, and, um, and, my son is still friends from the school. Like there's lifelong friends. I think there's power in that. I think you can be leveraged. I oh, I can't stand the fear that they try to put in homeschool. You're not smart enough. You can't do this. You can't do like they put fear and everything in there. No. Listen, guys, we got about at least two episodes out of this Yay! show. At least two or three episodes out of this show. <laughs> um, can you tell people how to connect with you if they want to connect yes. with your vision? And so currently I have a few spots. I am on Instagram at Brina.Daniels um, or um, the new me dot coming soon. I am also on Facebook as Brina.Daniels. Um, but um, the there are some things and you'll see some snippets of my passions there. More coming soon. I'm on the brink. All right. All right. <laughs> well, listen, everybody, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, hope you enjoy the show and we love you guys. Be good to each other out there.